This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 75 of the Radio Freest Van podcast, a Horace Heresy 30K podcast. My name is Michael. I got my co-host Derek here. Go and say what's going on, Derek. Hey, everybody. What's going on? We also have, coming from us live in Kentucky, Mr. Scott. Can see what's Boy, going on, folks, Scott. if you're really into the Emperor's Children and Feet, do we have an episode for you? <laughs> <laughs> We also have <laughs> We also have powerful Ryan Kimball. What's going on guys? Oh man, this is gonna be a fantastic episode. And yeah, Scott Scott is right. We do have a <laughs> If you're into one or two of those things, we have got a phenomenal episode for you. It's the Emperor's Children episode. You've been waiting for it. We finally brought it to you. The third Legion, <laughs> the Fulgrim's Fulgrim's finest, Ooh, the emperor. Get a little hot in here. A little steamy. <laughs> <laughs> Squid, slab these socks off and get a little more comfortable. I think. Oh man! So, <laughs> what do we have for this episode for you fellas? What do we have for this episode? All right. So first things first, we're gonna go over intro like we normally do every podcast. And we got some hobby progress we're going to discuss, which those usually kind of coalesce into one, so you might get both at the same time. Just deal with it. Uh, <laughs> then we're going to give you a Camp Heresy update real quick. We got some Secret Santa updates we need to talk about. We're going to go over the voicemails like we do every episode. And we have an email that we want to read off from Powerful Connor. Then we're going to start the Emperor's Children portion of it. So uh, if you don't like any of that other stuff, which apparently some people don't, then they just come in to listen to Emperor's Children to figure out how to play it. Uh, I just skip forward to that part, but it's uh, it's going to be we'll one time block. Stamp. We'll put a timestamp for you in the episode notes or whatever. Yeah, we'll put a timestamp in for you guys so you don't have to listen to three hours and or whatever of us talking uh, to get to what you want. Uh, but anyway... We're going to jump right into some Emperor's Children fluff, and we're just going to kind of just touch base on it. We're not historians by any means. Uh, this isn't the Age of Darkness podcast. If you want some of that, they will gladly give you all that stuff that you need as far as fluff-wise. We're just going to kind of give you the generic breakdown and what might pe- what some people might talk to you about if you decided to say, hey, I think I'm going to play Emperor's Children, and they're going to tell you, well, you get to keep your keyless, but... Uh, then we're going to go into the style of play for the Emperor's Children. Uh, then we'll go into some special rules for the Emperor's Children. We're going to go and discuss some of that stuff. Uh, then we're going to talk about some special units that they get, the Emperor's Children get, all three of them. Uh, then we're going to go ahead and discuss their unique rights of war that are available to them and possibly some rights of war that they can take that they are pretty good in that's not generic to them uh, or not specific to them. Uh, then we got a couple emails we need to go over and a Night Lords list and a Militia list. So if you play any of those armies, if you're not a normal listener and you came in for the Emperor's Children episode and you play Night Lords or Militia, stay tuned and listen on through because there is some sweet, sweet uh, 
Night Lords and Militia action at that point. Sounds good. So let's go ahead and uh, let's go to our normal intros. Ryan, how have you been, man? I learned a whole lot of stuff from uh, you just before this podcast started. I feel like you need to, you need to reach <laughs> around and touch back base with it. <laughs> um, doing good. We uh, had our little we had a fall party for our family and close friends um, this weekend. So um, did that. Um, I also, I started on my Death Guard army, build a few land raiders. Um, so I got two Achilles land raiders done and I also painted an entire, uh, dark age army in four days. So that's basically what I did for hobby progress and doing whatever. Jesus, four days. That's a, that's how many models are we talking here for your dark age army? Six. Six models. How much of your uh, new airbrushing technique have you thrown into these Dark Age models? Uh, I did all the armor with airbrush. I used the the way Matt Kane painted the uh, Iron Hands for the Forge World Studio with the translucent paint where you can... It's like uh, you use a bunch of translucent paints layered on top of each other where when you look at the model and turn it, it almost looks like oil sheen. It makes it look real metallic. Yep. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it looks maybe it looks like that oil slick kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that on a lot of their armor. Um, I was gonna just stay working on my uh, Death Guard, but Brian Steele, the guy who's basically the Alan Bly of Dark Age, he writes all the rules, all the fluff, approves all the models and all that. He's coming down to our next game night and playing games with us, and bringing like never before seen like models and rules to hang out with us and play <sighs> games. So I couldn't resist painting a new army you have uh, you kind of have to you kind of like that's that's I, badass dude i feel like if alan bligh were to come to your game night you would also if he was still alive r.i.p but like i yeah. feel like you'd also do the same thing for him possibly yeah yeah well, i mean you're you can't paint a whole heresy army in four days but yeah i get what you're saying so so here's the thing i know we have a lot of international listeners and uh I know that you know we have some some UK listeners and stuff like that, but is there a a guy like Brian Steele that works for Forge World? Like, does that guy exist? Like, is that a dude? Like, I know it's not Alan Bly anymore, but like, who? I guess if you go to Warhammer World, you could run into those guys. Surely they hang out there every once in a while. I would think. I don't know if they'll, you know, I don't know if they like go play games in the open gaming area or not. I'm looking associate for associate with us plebs. <laughs> yeah, especially ben, not us. Yeah. Ben Porter probably know. Yeah, if uh, if any of you guys who are listening right now know the name of that person or persons that is that person, like the lead designer in Forge World for Heresy, if you could just pop us an email, that'd be fantastic, and let us know who that person is. I'm kind of curious if they actually like get out, play games, if they uh, if they you know fraternize with the plebs. Or if they just, you know, kind of go into their, like, dark caves and just, like, write rolls and hope they work. They're just fiercely typing with a fucking gun to the back of their head. Is there, like, <laughs> being yelled at by their masters? <laughs> I don't want to make a repulsor take. Well, you're going to have to. It needs to be a super heavy. And it needs to fucking float. But why? And they have ignore a, terrain. And have a stubber. And have a stubber. <laughs> Put it in your, for real, let's talk about it. Let's, like. <laughs> let's take a minute. Let's, let's why? Let's not. Let's talk about fuck. that monstrosity a of a fucking tank. Like, 
Uh, I hope you didn't. You know, I went to my local game store this weekend to go pick up a whole bunch of paints and stuff like that. We'll talk about that when I get to my hobby progress. Actually, you know what? I'll talk about my hobby progress now. I'll be fucking... I'll be that guy. So, so I'm just going to... I'm going to squeeze this tank talk in because I know Ryan doesn't want to talk about it. I'm going to squeeze it into my hobby uh, progress talk. And so uh, I went to the local game store because I pra- I painted up uh, 20 Sisters of Silence this weekend. And like I I used the quick shade uh, dipping method, which is like the you know super fast way to paint your models and all that stuff, just because I absolutely wanted to try this stuff. And so I... Amazon Prime some quick shade just because I've never tried it before and I never thought like I had models to use this on. So got some quick shade in, came in on Saturday, and so I went to my hobby store, picked up um, the base Mephestin Red, uh, the base whatever gray, uh, the base, uh, oh, not ba- uh, Cadian Flesh Tone, and the Bleach Bone equivalent. Whatever that is, a shabty bone, a shabty bone. Yeah, whatever you paint uh, banners. Mechan- with. Was it Mechanica standard gray? Was that the gray you picked up? No, it was the base coat one, celestial gray. Celestial, that's right. Okay. Yeah, celestial gray. And so um, I just so happened to uh, John Christensen in the uh, in the Patreon chat actually did a test of all the different metall- metallics. So he had like Vallejo gold. He had Vallejo uh, liquid bronze. He had like all the colors lined up, and he painted some models. And I saw on there that he had a uh, Vallejo, the new Mecca line of paints. He had the Mecca bronze, and he he tested it out on a primed black uh, Chaos Warrior, and it looked great. And so I was like, "Yeah, that seems like perfect armor for a uh, Sisters of Silence." like that nice like bronze and so i ordered that got that in and so really i just went through and just like uh, just straight i airbrushed all of them all right i primed them all black then i airbrushed all of them with that uh vallejo mecha bronze and then i just went in assembly line while watching uh live pd i just like painted all of the uh the base the base colors like okay this this uh this cloak is red, so let me just paint red here. Her face is like peach, so let me go ahead and paint her face that Cadian flesh tone. And then she's got this giant like gray coat or giant like fur back on her coat, so let me just go ahead and paint that gray. Like a fucking like painting by colors is what I did for like all these like Sisters of Silence. And then, oh, she's got a silver sword. And then let those dry. And then I had them all on those clips. If y'all remember me talking about those clips a while back that I had that old man make for me uh that are like basically he turned on a lathe like a little holder with a rod that has a little clip on him i left them on the clip the entire time and then i popped them out dunked them and then spun them inside of a box using the uh what is this method called like i guess like the fire starter method where you're like trying to make fire by rubbing your hands together I don't know what that's called. That castaway fucking fire method. Yeah, the castaway fire method. So it slung all the quick shade off of them and then let them dry overnight. And I was like, man, these look fucking tabletop ready. Like they are like tabletop quality. There's, of course, there's like little bits and pieces that need to be picked out on them, like ropes and shit like that and eyes and stuff. But just like out the gate for like three hours of work, I got like 20 sisters painted and 
Like it's it's totally a, a, you saw them, Derek. What do you what do you think? I think they're fucking badass. Okay. So you uh, do you remember? I don't know if you ever played a lot of fantasy, like back in sixth or fifth edition, whatever. But when zombies were like, you needed a shitload of zombies if you played vampire counts. Yes, I knew absolutely. a lot of people that would use that method to paint those, and that's a pretty time efficient way, I guess. So I think I think what really like led like what really helped these sisters out is that their armor is all the same color, so it's all a metal armor. So it's like all steel or bronze or gold or whatever the fuck it is. But there's a lot of uh, uh, pockets to fill in there, like just like the custodes. Like I feel like the sisters and the custodes could both be dipped and still come out pretty good because it's all like that kind of metal knight armor looking to it. So. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, so I had to go down to my local game store to get all of these, uh, these paints and I hung out for a while and was chatting it up with the uh, local 40 K players. And, uh, we were talking about that repulsor tank and they hate it as much as everybody else does. Like it's getting shit on pretty fucking hard. Like who knew, <laughs> who knew that something so ugly could be made? <laughs> like <laughs> what, what thought was put it like? A heavy stubber? Why? Like, why? Why are you putting a stubber on on a space marine tank? Well, when that... you need to stub, but you need to make it heavy, you have a heavy stubber. <laughs> like, I don't understand why there's a stubber. Like, I guess I get tanks can charge now in eighth, right? I guess maybe that's why. So you can stub sure. something and ram it. I don't know. I don't know. It's awful. If y'all have thoughts on that tank, I'd like to hear it, but. It's, it's, pro- it's probably designed for all those rich, rich 12-year-olds who can afford those types of things, I guess. <laughs> you know, those. those. <laughs> so, but, yeah, there, there was one person who was about that tank. He was he was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to have it. But uh, for the most part, everybody's like, what the fuck kind of G.I. Joe bullshit am I looking at <laughs> with this tank? So, but, anyway, that's my hobby progress and my – my running around progress I did for for the hobby. Quick shade definitely works. I'll I'll post up some pictures on what it looked like before and after. You absolutely do have to dull coat it afterwards though because it puts a sheen on it that is horrible. It does not look good. Like you think you'll think that you messed your models up until you dull coat them. So you do ha- definitely have to go over them with a dull coat afterwards. So pretty good there combo too. though. Pretty fun combo. Yep. So. What you got, Scott? What you been working on? Me, I've been planning, bro. I got a, I got a big hobby project on the horizon, so I've been planning that out and making lists. Um, I think I'm gonna start uh, World Eaters is my plan. So I had been thinking about it for a while, and I'd kind of been, you know, like in that <clears throat> gray period of not being super inspired to do anything hobby wise. But after playing at Michigan GT and stuff, I was kind of like, man, I need to get back into doing something paint wise because i haven't painted since probably this summer uh since i finished up that last commission for our buddy jay before he left so um that's the plan my my goal is to do them in the white and red color scheme that was featured in book six retribution so they're the like good color scheme yeah right <laughs> so they're the best they're starting scheme. to get kind of kind of witchy poo but not like full blonde witchy poo just yet so that's the plan. Um, I made some lists and I have uh, all the models and stuff written down for how I want to do it and 
purchase it. I'm going to have to kind of like break it up over a couple of months because it is, you know, this is not exactly the cheapest hobby. But um, my goal is, is I'm going to do like, so there's about 20 veterans that I'm going to play as weapon masters in the list that are going to go in ambulance drop pods, and I'm going to buy those, trick that unit out, paint them, do all the conversion work, basing work, everything. And I'm just going to do it piece by piece. So I'll do like 20 vets. I'll do 30 assault marines. I'll do 35 tactical marines. I'll do 10 red butchers. I'll do, you know, whatever. Just kind of break it up into pieces like that. That way I can focus on the individual units one at a time and make sure I put, like, my due diligence into converting them up and kit bashing them, things like that. Because uh, I want to do all that, that kind of stuff, too, as much as possible. Um, my plan right now is I know I been talking to Tim from the Eye of Horus and Ryan a little bit about uh, in a lot of the artwork featured in Visions for Heresy for World Eaters, some of the guys will have bare arms, like bare gladiator arms and, you know, they might have a weapon chain to them or something like that or some kind of uh, Kadir weapon they use to fight the pits with. I'm going to convert up some of my vets to have like those bare arms and then um, you know, chain axes or whatever, whatever they come with. I think I'm going to use the Chaos Marauder arms from the fantasy and it just took my range to, to do that and i'm going to take some chaos Don't, space do rampagers have bare arms the rampager models uh maybe I they might they did. Yeah. Uh, i thought that was like you might look at the special. rampager models yeah i might do that because um i'm just my units like some of the units will be fully armored some of the guys in the unit will be fully armored with chain axes and stuff because it's a free upgrade for world eaters and it's an upgrade you're always going to take like no matter what so I'm yes, going to mix in some odd, oddball weapons. So I might. Uh, there you go, Scott. Just use Rampagers. Yeah, I might just I mix in those guys. some of those uh, some of those oddball like Kadir weapons the Rampagers have. That would probably be a pretty good idea. Yeah, they um, even have Kadir weapons like attached to those uh, naked arms. Yeah, they're like chained to them and stuff. Um, so I'm going to do that. And then uh, in I think it's in book two, there's a Death Guard Marine who has the Chaos space marine style jump pack on like the one where the exhaust ports extend farther out from the power plant of the backpack um i think i'm gonna add some of those onto my uh veterans as well just to make them look like you know they're they're starting to turn into corn berserkers like a little more than just a standard marine what's the um, story like do you know like maybe maybe you do i don't i don't know if they're if it's even like canon yet like, what's the story behind the backpack change? Like, I don't understand. Like, I do. It know was that... just a prototype in in book two in uh, Massacre. They just talk about it as it was a prototype. It's either book two or book three. I'm not. I'm not totally sure which one it was, but it's on a Death Guard Marine color plate, and it was just a backpack that they were like experimenting with and being like, well, "This could work, I guess." Well, and <laughs> it was kind of like vaguely mentioned, but it became a big thing, I guess, later down the road for you know whatever reason. So. Probably gonna, one of the Forge worlds that they had, like one of the few that could make the power yeah, pack or whatever. Along the like a the, one. the Sarum pattern helmet, I would imagine, uh, that you did for your black shields, like something that has a uh, a similar source, you know, origin source like that. They're just like, um, uh, we didn't expect Space Marines to put in this much work. If like, you, I don't know if Games Workshop, I don't know if Games Workshop still sells it, but if you type in uh, Fabius Bile. Um, backpacks. They sold a pack of like for. Remember when he could like take uh, upgrade to like new men yeah. or whatever. Big head marines. Yeah. Yeah. They made. So. 
they made special backpacks that were like that style of chaos backpack with the long uh spouts in the back but it had like a crucified skeleton oh, on the back of it they nice. looked really They're badass cool. and they were super rare like not you don't see them hardly ever um i don't know if, if uh games workshop still sells them in their specialist range, like the, you know their online thing or if you can find somebody that makes a bunch of them or or maybe you could send that design off to um, Matt over at Pop Goes the Monkey or somebody like that and yeah. see if they'll make you something similar if you like I got, it. I got some prize support from uh, Cromlech and Anvil Industries, and I'm going to kind of scour their range and uh, just buy up a bunch of whatever they have, a bunch of little fiddly bits to, to kind of trick these guys out with. One thing I really do like from Anvil Industries is oh, they have the, a... Like uh, the Dark Angel, like the the... That one right there, the oh, the uh, cipher backpack. Let me see. It kind of looks similar to that. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, another thing I really liked that uh, that's an idea I'm going to do is I'm I have a bunch of uh, Mark II assault Marines in the army. And Anvil Industries makes a Spartan Space Marine style helmet, and I'm going to put those on uh, those Mark II Marines and give them chain axes and bear like gladiator style arms and shit. So that's gonna be badass. One of their arms, the other one I think is going to be armored. So um, that's pretty much it for that, man. I, I've I've been playing out my phone. I know we talked to our buddy Zach over at uh, South Texas, well, not South Texas, <laughs> the Forgotten Legion, and um, like I've. I'm really nitpicky about how I transport my stuff and everything fitting in a secure fashion. And because you like to protect your investment, obviously when you spend all this time to paint all your shit. So, uh, I'm going to magnetize my anvilus pattern drop pods the way Zach did, where he magnetized the hoses to the top of the engine housing. And, um, if anyone else out there is listening and they have any good ideas about things they have done to make their anvilus a little more, wieldy during the transportation process drops the line let us know and, i just uh, bought the the battle foam the that yeah. fits too and it, it fits secure i've never had one break i'm cheap as shit though and <laughs> i also yeah. i have kr uh stuff like i have kr a bunch of car cases from my other armies and i kind of wanted to stick with that because it's just like shoe boxes that fit into a like a bag that i carry around yeah and um i'm trying to kind of stick with that because i'm so ocd about everything being the same color or the same thing you know i and i know it's weird and useless but it is the way i am so don't you judge but, uh, me <laughs> that's the plan um and i'm pretty excited about it uh hopefully next month i'll i'll buy my first like 20 vets and start painting them up and all that and you know trying to trying i got to all i got some uh i got the a set of the veteran heads or two or three sets of the veteran heads, the ones that actually have like the air brake sugar loaf helm with yeah, with the bunny ears. Nice. You can have those. You can cut the Sweet. bunny ears off if you want them or keep them, whatever. And then I also have a I think a few sets of the the Forge World Corn Berserker upgrade for forty K. Yeah. With the really. the more the more chaos looking shoulder pads um and nice. torsos. Um, you can have those two to mix in if you want. Um, the reason I had those is because I had to buy several kits of those to get the heads to make my black shields. I'm sure. So yeah, I, I'm down. I have, okay, All you can stuff. have all that shit. I'll just give it to you if you remind me. Uh, 
you're coming up this next game night, right? In a yep. week. I'll be there. Okay. So, uh, yeah, man, that'd be really badass. I just want to try to make these models look as unique as possible. And, uh, I'm going to try to stretch out my painting game a little more, uh, do some more oil wash work on these guys over some white and reds and, uh, do some weathering, like some streaking, some grime, some, especially some dried blood, because that's kind of like, you know, stock standard world eaters. We need to figure out if we can get a stamp made. That's like a handprint. That's a stamp. Oh yeah. Like maybe a left and right handprint. Like we'll we'll talk to my wife. I'm sure there's got to be something from scrapbooking or something. Get a stamp, or maybe we can even just uh, a wax seal or something like that. Something like get stamp material, um, and maybe take a, an actual model hand, like find an open hand and lay it down and trace it, like so it's that scale. Yeah. And then you can stamp bloody handprints on your guys easy, like dip them in blood for the blood god and just stick it on a model where you can that do that real dope. quick without having to freehand. That would be really, really be good. Legit. And I'm gonna I'm gonna buy some secret weapon uh urban like urban environment like destroyed bases. And I'm gonna put like little blood, you know, pools and handprints yeah. and shit all over the base like they just uh went all Ted Bundy on somebody. So <laughs> Did you look at the Dragon Forge bases? Or do you did you look at Dragonforge bases? I haven't. The only reason I, I have looked at Secret Weapon over that is because me and you had talked about this in the past. I'm going to do my display board from them out of the tablescape tiles. Yep. And uh, I think I, I assume those bases match fairly closely to the tablescape tile aesthetic. So Their, their bases are fine. My only problem with Secret Weapon is when they make a set, they just make 10 bases and that's all you get. Where Dragonforge yeah. will make like... 10 a uh, 10 base set that's rubble or whatever but then he'll make like four separate sets so you could buy like you could buy 40 32 millimeter bases and they'll all everyone will be an individual they won't repeat it which is right. why he takes forever but like absolutely like di pe like different people have wondered like why dragonforge takes so long like that that's why he takes so long because you're not getting a like a just unload of the same base just like that he has like pre-made up it's like he's that sounds like something that requires a level of attention that he might be like a long lost cousin of yours ryan <laughs> <laughs> for real yeah exactly <laughs> oh he ordered a 50 year well i gotta make some bases so it's gonna be uh, about just so a couple happens weeks. i designed 65 missions for each individual <laughs> table so yeah <laughs> hey ryan by the way uh if you're looking for an open hand the Sisters of Silence set absolutely has an open hand. That's human yes. size. Okay. Just a... Well, the, we could maybe use that, and then I think you can get... Because my wife, when she used to be in the scrapbooking, I thought you could get, like, custom stamps made somehow. Or um, I want to say maybe it was Nathan from the Grang Legion. I don't know if he listens or not. But I think his friend painted... There was a Spartan in the case at Nova that was had, like, a dog coming out of the top. Do you yep. remember that thing yep. that looked really yep. badass? On that model, there's bloody handprints above the door. I thought Nathan said that his buddy had made a stamp or something to like quickly mass produce that. So maybe we can find out if that's true or if I'm just making. He may have hand painted them. I don't know. That guy was obviously legit. So I mean, uh, you know, it's not. It's definitely not impossible to hand paint something like that. But like, if you're wanting to do a whole army and maybe incorporate that, like that Terminator's got them all over him. Yeah. And if you're wanting to do several squads with lots of handprints, it would obviously be way easier if we could figure out a way to mass produce that look in a simple way, like in a stamp or a piece of foam that was cut that way or, yeah, 
I, that, even that he, Terminator even, looks like he just murdered an entire nursing home. It is so yeah. awesome. Yeah. So you found it? You found the picture of the Terminator? That Yeah, yeah. I have, yeah, I have it on my phone. I look at it late at oh, night. Oh, okay. No, I, I was thinking I was thinking of the Nova, the Nova Land Raider. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a plan. So um, I, I would like to have these guys done at the latest Michigan GT next year, which gives me about a year. You know, you know, planning on there not being a fucking catastrophic family event or something like that. Whoa, why would but, you uh, do that? <laughs> but yeah, knock on, knock on wood. Feet keys. related episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not developing a crippling foot fetish that I have to compensate for financially. But <laughs> what I, I, if ideally I would have them ready by DEFCON next year, that would be great. Now that might be like. I'm in school as well, and like I do, you know, I have other hobbies and shit, so I don't know how feasible that is. But we can give it a hell. Yeah. I think you, I think it'll be all right. I'm very interested to see if this stamp gets made. Like that, that'd actually be pretty cool. You know, be fucking badass. I'll probably land somewhere in the middle with finish time. I imagine I'll be done maybe you know July. It'd be fucking badass if there's a place out there that made like stamps <laughs> specifically for wargaming. You know, like bloody handprints, you know, boot prints, stuff like that. I'm surely someplace must out there must have stamps like that. Yeah, right, like a specific should. line for like standard stuff you'd see with wargaming. No, no, I don't I'll think anybody does out. that. But with uh, with three D printing being a thing, I feel like it's not very hard to make a uh, a rubberized stamp out of like in in anything. So like if you wanted like the only thing that I could see that would probably you would need to do is you would need to have the stamp. Uh, tall enough to actually use like i, th- I feel like the, the hand would actually have to be like away from the actual stamp like a good ways and have to be like rubberized yeah. and all that stuff like that's the only thing that i could see it probably have to be what like i think half an inch. might work is we take a sisters of silence hand heat up the plastic flatten it out so it's still the details still remain but it's just flattened out enough that it'll contour to a surface and then stick a safety pin in the back of it and then you can just press it onto power armor or vehicles or whatever yeah i mean yeah the plastic one may work i mean we can try it it wouldn't be that hard to try i can do that tonight if you want actually (laughs) i can do that in like 10 minutes if you want yeah we can take some pictures but uh yeah so that's the plan um this will give me uh two trader armies iron warriors and world leaders and two loyalist armies my solar ox and my iron hands but these are all just plans for now, so we'll we'll see how it all pans out, you know. Hey, I don't know if uh, like, do you have a pretty good idea of how you're going to tackle this paint scheme? Yes. Okay. Never mind. I was going to say uh, I, th- there are, there are specific techniques that I'm going to try to pick up along the way, like like for instance that handprint and some weathering stuff that I'm going to try to tap into. But I have a pretty good. I've I've done white like. Uh, not an off-white, like a true white on a White Scars army before that I feel like will look pretty good, and I know how to do the reds. And then I, I understand how to do, like, oil washes and stuff and uh, some line highlights. I just want to get into some of the more technical, like, aspects of grime and rust and build up, like, blood spatter that doesn't look like a 12-year-old did it and um, <laughs> go from there, you know. So that's that's... Plan. I think that is what will make this army stand out amongst the rest. But I don't know. We'll fucking see. If it's a horrible 
complete dumpster fire on an airplane, everyone will be there to see it. So there you go. Enjoy. <laughs> I'll have all evidence disposed of. I'll have this, this yep, podcast all, yeah, fucking all over the internet and you know, easily accessible for you to, you know, pretty cool. So. <laughs> trash and dump this podcast so fast. <laughs> we live in an age of the internet now. You don't, you can say whatever you want to me with zero accountability or fear of repercussions. Enjoy. So. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's what Scott's been working on. What about you, what about you Derek? Where are you at? So uh, right now where I'm at is I'm at my parents' place. Not, not like right now, right now, but uh, last weekend I had to miss the podcast because I was moving. Got a, uh, got a notice on, I think, the, that previous Thursday. Basically, there was all sorts of uh, moisture in my walls and potential mold growth. So they had to get in there, you know, get some boots on the ground and tear down some walls, clean it out. So I couldn't live there while they were doing that. So they kind of just said, all right, get out. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Like so, most most people in Victoria, unfortunately, are having to evacuate their homes. Yeah, the apartment situation is not great here right now. So basically, instead of looking for an apartment, I managed to scoop up a storage unit and just throw everything in that until I can get this sorted out. And the folks will let me crash up there. But, uh, you know, I have to do some chores and stuff like that. <laughs> basically, I'm, I'm like 17 again. It sucks. <laughs> Derek, I feel like your space wolves just in general might be cursed. I don't know if like <laughs> if maybe it's it's hobby related or what, but I think I think uh <laughs> something might be going on. Well, I mean, who knows? I might be cleaning out some shit and I might actually find my old space wolves. Who knows? <laughs> like they just got returned. Yeah, dude, anything can happen. <laughs> so yeah, I've just been trying to Unfortunately, I wasn't able to keep all of my hobby stuff with me with me. I do have most of my army in case I do want to get some more games in as well as like my bits boxes and stuff like that. So I can still, you know, kind of work on them, but all my airbrushing stuff is in storage. So like my hobby progress is kind of hindered right now, but I'm still going to try to crank it out as much as I can. Well, you're more than welcome to come into my garage and hobby all you want. You can airbrush in there. My badger's loaded up. Just make sure, you know, you spray it down with the turpentine or whatever that stuff is I've been using. Can do. Sounds good. But yeah, and then uh, I managed to piggyback on a pretty maiden order. And so I managed to piggyback on some stuff with him so I could have some more exciting things coming in here in the next uh, next few weeks or so. Skunk works. Love it. Yeah. Then uh, just been kind of standing out the local game shop looking at different stuff. Trying to see if any other legions like jump out at me, you know, just kind of get the foot in the door because I have been looking at some uh, traitor legions. So I've been uh, kind of looking forward to this series we've been doing on uh, just kind of breakdowns of different legions. Try to see if anything jumps out and, you know, says, hey, this is fucking badass. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Like this whole, uh, this whole, uh, like, I guess, legions, like many segments we've been doing here where we started, like we did the Dark Angels one. Like we got so much feedback from like people who were like, yeah, after the Dark Angels episode, I started looking into Dark Angels or like, like, I feel like, uh, like this, uh. This might work out pretty well for you. That's why help I'm excited. You, help you pick some legions. I've been looking at Emperor's Children, dude. I've been stoked. Yeah. So, well, good luck, Derek. I hope you have a house in the future. Me too. So. <laughs> Sucks, dick. I'll be okay. So. 
that's pretty much it for everybody, I guess. That's all hobby progress, all the intro going through. Let's talk about some uh, Camp Heresy updates. Still waiting to hear back from them, but I have been hearing from individuals that wanted to be camp counselors, in other words, run their own events and things like that uh, for Camp Heresy. So once again, just a, a call out to that. I think probably every episode we're going to have to have some sort of update or some sort of follow-up on this so you so you know that we're working on it and we're still going. Uh, but we, we, if you do want to be a uh, Camp Heresy counselor, if you want to run an event at Camp Heresy, send us an email. That way we can go ahead and uh, and get you on a list and get you into a group. I don't know if I said last time, but I think we're reserving 35 spots for these uh, for these camp counselors and for these event runners. Um, now, just just out the gate, probably let some information through. Like if you have an idea of an event that you want to run. I mean, we've had people that want to run uh, painting courses. We have an individual that wants to run a uh, a resin casting course. Like there's a there's a whole bunch of hobby related courses or, or hobby related uh, events that if you want to run them, let us know, and uh, we'll get you on the camp counselor list, and we'll let you know what your responsibilities are. And uh, that, we're trying to build up an agenda before we get too deep into it that way people can plan out their heresy weekend before before they start having to look into uh i guess acquiring their tickets and things like that so the sooner the better just shoot us an email get it over to us and we'll get you on there and be be about it you know don't be flaky if you're gonna do it do it so don't half-ass two things whole ass one thing whole ass one thing that's right uh, speaking of updates, guys, we have a number of individuals uh, in the Patreon that are signed up for Secret Santa. So the Drop Drop Pod Secret Santa, I know that we have been doing a number of announcements and talk on the closed group and in the Patreon chat, uh, but I know a lot of people mute that chat because that chat goes on non-fucking-stop, <laughs> 24-7. No breaks on the heresy train. No breaks on Goes that down train. some dark roads sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> gets pretty gets pretty wild. Some things happen. So uh, so we, we do make announcements in there, but I knew that I know that those announcements do fall. You know, there's different time zones. People are asleep when we make those announcements. So just making it on here, and we send an email to everybody reminding you that if you want to be in the Secret Santa, the the Drop Pod Secret Santa 2017 for Radio Free Van, uh, then there are instructions on how to get into that. Uh, in the, the we send a message out through Patreon through the Patreon email, and then of course we also have the instructions on how to do it on the Facebook closed group. Uh, so if you're not in that closed group, let us know. We'll get you into it. I'm pretty sure everybody is. Uh, but we'll, we'll definitely get you in. And then, of course, we also sent out a uh, we sent out a basic template on how to do it. So that is due by the 20th, guys. Make sure you get that done. Uh, if you're listening right now and you haven't done it yet, go ahead and pull over your car right now. Go ahead and pull the side of the road. Unless you live in the U.K., then just drive into somebody's yard because apparently y'all have nowhere or just just stop in the fucking street apparently if, if ryan if ryan's talking true and uh go ahead and have uh, you seen anyone disagree with me yet <laughs> no no <laughs> <laughs> so it made me realize how much 
stay in your lane was like a really big deal. <laughs> like a, that's a pretty, pretty negative thing to tell you. Uh, but go ahead and pull over, fill out the form. It's, it's three different things. It's just basic information we need from you guys that say you want to sign up for it and uh, send it to the email that's necessary. So get that done guys. We want to have an awesome turnout. We have a number of people already. We're just trying to make sure it's uh it's localized so people can start saving on on shipping and stuff like that so but anyway those are the updates i got uh sorry for boring all you other people but definitely had to get those across had to get get into those people's ears and i know if they're supporting us on patreon then they're definitely listening so anyway how about some voicemails fuck yeah let's do it it. always always down for voicemails right 100 percent voicemails okay let me go ahead and jump right into voicemails guys if you want to leave a voicemail uh, all you have to do is call our line it's 209 rfi 30k0 if you go to our facebook page there's a little phone just click on that and you can leave us a voicemail and if you actually go look and i just want to go ahead and announce this on the podcast uh since it's october we requested creepy cryptid emails and like you know spooky spooky voicemails so that we could uh you know have some some cool October talk because it's I got I got one. What really? I got I got one and I only shared it with Tim. I didn't share it with anyone else. What the the look on Michael's face right now can only be described as hurt. Can you can you share it with us right now? Before we get yeah, into voicemails? I can. Oh fuck yeah, let me put this cat down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, so I was, I was calling it in till just now. I was half assing this whole podcast. <laughs> Let me get this cat on the ground. Hold on. Okay. So, so before we get started, let's just say um, I don't believe in a lot of this silly shit and nonsense. I'm a man of science. Hold on. One so, second. oh, Michael's turning the light out. Get the candle. The lights have been dimmed. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, the, the ambiance is set. The ambiance is set. Anyway, <laughs> when, I was, uh, when I was flying back from the UK, I had a window seat. For, so from Iceland to Chicago, I had a window seat. And we were flying over, and it was daytime, and we had perfectly clear weather. So when we're flying over Greenland and... You know, Greenland has a whole lot of, uh, you know, glaciers and, like, it's, like, part of, like, the polar ice cap and all that shit. We're flying over that. I saw what appeared to be a perfectly formed pyramid, a four-walled pyramid sticking up out of the ice sheet in Greenland. I mean, it was, like, almost mathematically perfect, at least looking down on it from the plane. And I took photos of it with my phone and sent it to Tim. What? You have photos? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what kind of list you're on now? <laughs> you ever well, seen Alien versus Predator, sir? Yeah. We should not be the first people hearing about this. <laughs> um, the Department of State on lie. Damn it. Dude, so this anyway, is real. This is fucking. What, dude, this is, fuck the pot. Like so, shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on, I'm gonna send you guys pictures so you can see. So just to give you an idea, so this is like. I'll send you a picture without me zooming in. 
So this is how high I was in the plane. You can see, like, here's the here's Dude, the plane what, wing. What are okay. you doing to us right now? What are you doing? Okay, so you see that, right? You see, like, the wing, and then you can see Greenland underneath there. So here, if you look, let the, see this next photo right there? You see the big rock, like, right in the middle of the photo? Yeah. Are you guys following me here? Yes. Okay, if you look to the right of that, there's like two little things sticking out of what the ice. What the fuck? The first one. Hang on, hang on. Let me get, I got a zoomed in photo of it. Ryan. Where is it at? Ryan. So zoom in. That photo I just sent you, zoom in on it and look at that thing sticking out of the ice and tell me that's not like a perfectly, that's like a perfect pyramid. Well, I mean, those now... Necrons, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. what the fuck? <laughs> like, where oh, were you? Michael's Michael cut out. What you cut out? Did I cut out? Huh? I'm just like, I'm, like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, like, shadow? Can you hear me? Like, in my back? Mm, yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Do you see the shadow uh, on that yeah. thing? Yeah, I'm looking right at it, too. Holy shit. How weird. Dude, that's fucking that's bonkers. You, um, so yeah, it's probably just probably just a big rock. It's probably just the top of a big rock, but shut the um, fuck up. <laughs> just, like, a, just a big yeah, perfectly shaped big rock. Fuck it. Someone call Eddie Bravo right now. We <laughs> need him and Alex Jones you, in here now. If you look at it, it's it's a perfect four sided pyramid that's like totally symmetrical on both sides and looks like a perfect pyramid sticking out of the ice. And it's it's huge. Like if you look at the the scale of it, like when you look at how high. I, how high I am based on the other photographs. Um, and when I say high, I don't mean like red eyed and squinty eyed, <laughs> like from fucking weed. I didn't do any of that over there. Um, but actual like altitude wise, wise from the plane. I mean, whatever that is sticking out of the ice, probably just rocks. Um, it's very large. What the, but I was fuck? just, it was very cool. How perfectly, formed it was and how symmetrical it is like it looks like a perfect pyramid like a perfect four-sided pyramid and it's sticking out of the ice in greenland well, like what's crazy is you can even see the shadow of the pyramid like okay look this looks like so legitimately like a pyramid it looks like you fucking photoshopped a pyramid <laughs> like on, onto some ice like it doesn't Anyone who knows me knows that I do not have the Photoshop skills to fucking hey, put a pyramid anywhere. I got a, I got a maybe an answer to this. Oh shit! It's maybe rock. It's rocks frozen in the ice. Yeah, that's what it says. Line after line, row after row, pyramid-like peaks rose with certain regal proudness through the ice sheet. So I don't know if it is. I guess it's just some kind of like insane happenstance that that's. A, ge a geological feature of Greenland. That's what they want you to think. Okay, we're fucking on to you out there. <laughs> I don't know whose cover up this is, but dude, there's no fucking. This podcast way. for you, for you, man. We're getting to the bottom of it. Okay, <laughs> we'll have answers. We're gonna take all y'all's Patreon support. And we're gonna all <laughs> yeah, but, uh, just to pack me in a box support. and ship me to Greenland. <laughs> Facebook advertising cut off. All right, all funds go towards solving this mystery. But anyway, I I forgot to tell you guys about this. But when you Clearly. brought up like crazy, 
scripted stories and all that shit, I was like, ah, oh, I got one. I remember this silly you shit that got I saw. Sidetracked with foot stuff and other things. And- I, I <laughs> you would think this would come up when I talked about fucking the plastic bag, like the the, yeah. the trash bag dumping itself in fucking Louisiana, but no. Well, this was after. This was after that. Oh, this is bonkers, dude. I'm sending you a better. Well. See, the problem is I'm taking a picture with a fucking iPhone out, like, the double, triple pane window of a fucking airplane with the sun shining on it. So it's, like, it's kind of hard to get a good photograph. Hey, Scott, are you talking about the Sphinx of Greenland is what you you were looking at? Uh, Yeah, that's one of the articles, yeah. The Sphinx of Greenland, yes. Okay, that's definitely not what Ryan took a picture of. That's Pyramid carved basalts. I don't know. Yeah, no, like Ryan's is in the middle of nowhere. Like there's Aliens. no other That's mountains it. around. Fucking it. get the meme, get the meme ready, Michael. Aliens. <laughs> Ryan, what what can we do with this picture? Can can I post this picture on Reddit conspiracy and let them go to town on it and let them explain? You can to do you? whatever the fuck you want with the picture. It's just rocks coming out of the ice to me. Like I don't. But I, when I did see it, I thought, wow, that's really weird. That's like almost geometrically perfect. It's in the middle of nowhere, and it looks exactly like a four-sided pyramid. If Tim and Michael were here right now, we would have to have a two-and-a-half-hour-long conversation about how there's fucking aliens on the ice sheet or some shit. So I need to take a picture of this and send it to them. And I forgot. Uh, me and Tim were talking like at 3.30 in the fucking morning, and I knew you were asleep. And I sent him some photos and freaked him the fuck out. And then I forgot to send them to use. But when you brought it up on this podcast, I figured I'd share. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to send this to the Patreon chat right now. Good God. Get them all fired up. <laughs> like, no no context either. Bam. Done. Here's some more pictures from the plane. Hang on. These are just random ones so you can get an idea of how... Um, how high up you are? So how massive that thing would be? Yeah. God bless it. All right. All right. Back to here's voicemails. An un- here's an- <laughs> there's an unzoomed in photo. So there you go, guys. If you have some spooky or weird stuff, stories that you want to share with us, please, man, this is the month to do it. Uh, let's get them stories coming in. Let's get them going. I know we made a post about it on the Facebook page, uh, but, but voicemails are a little skinny this month. But I know that we have some people calling in. But if, if you're listening right now and you got some spooky stuff to tell us about, like a house or anything like that, even if you just want to make some shit up, just let us know and call us in. I'm always down for that. How you don't only have one ex-wife, but you have two. That's pretty spooky. We get Chris Duncan to call in. And... <laughs> How you fuck up twice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So here's the first voicemail. Damn, that's fucking crazy. I'm gonna like I'm gonna post this on Reddit and I'm gonna like you're going to see like you're going to see how many people like lose their fucking shit and then there's going to be one there's going to be one scott out there that's going to be like oh it's basalt that (laughs) the wind naturally (laughs) comes from all directions equally it's it's basalt (laughs) jet fuel can't melt steel beams that's all i'm saying man that's all i'm saying (laughs) all right uh God damn it, Ryan! You 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 killed it right there. I just want to let you know. God bless you. 
Oh, we'll turn the lights off and everything. It's going to be one voice of reason, and then everything else is going to be a snowball of fucking speculation. <laughs> well, to me, it's probably just just like it happened to have a weird shape topped mountain that somehow, you it's know, perfect. that obviously is like right at the top of sea level, and then the ice froze around it. That's my explanation for it. Yeah, maybe that's how the Egyptian pyramids were formed. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe they just stack like that. <laughs> hey, in the mortal words of uh, Eddie Bravo, look into it. Look, hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look into look it. Look into it. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about fights. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just look into You gotta have a gravelly. He's got a real gravelly voice. <laughs> I, don't I know. almost did Joey. <laughs> that was Joey Diaz 100%. But. All right. Anyway, here's the first voicemail, fellas. into Ryan's interview on the uh, Varangian heresy and he's talking about the Heldrake conversion and it made me, because it sounds really freaking cool um, made me want to ask you guys what are the favorite conversions that you guys have done or um, what kind of, con- what is the favorite conversion that's going on in your head that you want to do uh, right now uh, personally my favorite that I did is I was doing a, uh, a chapter based on the 101st Airborne Screaming Eagles and to make uh, the Huey Slicks, I used uh, rhinos that I cut up some uh, land speeders to turn them into flying rhinos uh, and use them as drop pods or flying rhinos to go along with my uh, land speeders, my Huey uh, Cobra gunships. Anyway, take care, guys. No fucking shit, dude. Nice. So, so for starters, like before we go any further into what's our favorite conversions, uh, back in like 2000 and... Eight two thousand nine, back in like that was oh nine. Uh, I uh, I also had an army based off of the hundred first airborne division. I actually had the uh, the screaming eagles transfers printed and everything like that. And uh, I went to uh, it was in the army in the hundred first airborne division. Allah, uh, oh. <laughs> on, but <laughs> yeah, man, I, I totally that's fucking crazy. But I I want to say I remember. His land speeder conversions and stuff like that. I don't know if it was that far back, but it may have been somebody else that was doing turning uh, turning land speeders into Hueys. But I was doing a Vietnam era based 101st Airborne Division, and so using like Catachans and like uh, I want to say you had like a model Huey. Uh, yes, I did have a model Huey that, and then I had, but like at that point, Val- plastic Valkyries were coming out, and so it was, I was like a few months before they came out. Yeah, and I, I was buying a shitload of Valkyries. I remember that. Yeah. And so so I had like a whole bunch of Valkyries, 101st Airborne, painted the uh, olive drab, and I gave them the Victoria miniatures, heads with the netting and stuff like that. Like, that was expensive as fuck to buy on my salary back then. Like, it hurt to make that army happen, but it fucking happened. And we put the... Remember we put the speakers inside the... Uh, oh, yeah, in like the flying base? Yeah, we made a, a special flying base with... Uh, because uh, this is before Games Workshop started coming out with the flying base, I feel like. That was on your uh, your resin Valkyrie. Yeah, it was on my resin Valkyrie. We actually had a, uh, we we used uh, Cities of Death buildings, built them around these little speakers, and put an MP3 player in the back of a resin Valkyrie that only played uh, Paint, uh, it black. Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. And so, it's badass, dude. Nice. So, I feel you on that one. Anyway, conversions, guys. What are y'all thinking? 
Probably my Black Shield stuff. It's all pretty subtle, but I like all my Black Shield conversions. The helmets, the battle damage I put into them, my Reaver Lord, my evil uh, Australian cattle dog for the Cyber Familiar, um, all that stuff. So I really like my Black Shield's army. Mm. What about you, Scott? I have an Iron Hands Praetor I did uh, a while back where... You remember the limited edition Praetor and Cataphractic Armor with Thunder Hammer and all that shit? I um I cut that one up and I put, you know, just a couple of different bits on him and stuff, but I liked the way he came out. My main like favorite thing about him was uh he has this little like um servo skull with a smoke sensor hanging from the bottom of it that came off of the uh, Tempesta Scions kit. Yeah, and I put that on top of him as his as his uh, cyber familiar, and I really like that. Here, I'll send it to you guys in our little chat. You can know what I'm talking about then. I sent you but, guys um, a link to my uh, Nurgle army. Um, I did. Nick from our game club took those photos a long time ago, and there's a picture from front on from that Hell Drake, but you can't really see the whole thing, but you can see part of it. Sorry, know. Scott. Go ahead. Yeah. But uh, I glued some like little pipes and wires and stuff coming out of him to make him look a little more Iron Hands-like and a little more uh, machine, I guess. I took some, some pipes and wires off of the uh, Catafron Destroyer kit from the 40K range and uh, glued those in or around him. And then I used a Grave Warden head, like a bear head with a gas mask is his uh, face. And that's like my uh, Clan Morrigal Praetor for my Iron Hands. I used him in a Michigan GT. Actually, did pretty good. So. That was fucking badass. Yeah, that dude looks beat face as fuck. Did nice. Mark Brayley told me he looks like he's uh, in the movie Saturday Night Fever. Oh, he's like standing up to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does look real John Travolta. <laughs> pretty bald, <but> still. <laughs> Man, dude, honestly, one conversion that I've been wanting to see that I haven't seen happen that, you know, like, you know how there's, like, some models where you're like, man, if you took that kit plus this kit plus this kit and made a conversion out of it, it'd probably be pretty dope. Um, so if you were to take a a Forge World MK2B Land Raider, take it and give it the uh, Anvil Industries kit with the... Uh, where the tracks go around the entire thing like Ryan did. The Sagittarius, yeah. The, the Sagittarius kit. And use the extra armor... Uh, extra armor... Treads from their Facebook page. Have you ever seen that Facebook page, Extra Armor? They make the Mark Three combi weapons, and they also make uh, Horse Heresy-style tracks for Rhinos and Land Raiders. I've always like I think like I like uh Blood and Skulls Industries tracks, but out of tracks, if I was gonna do a conversion, I would prefer the extra armor tracks just because they're more squared off. And they, they kinda look a little bit more like uh like the Spartan kind of look to it. But I've I've always wanted to see somebody do the full <laughs> wraparound version with those uh with those extra armor tracks. Do they have a a website, extra armor, the, uh, the it's just company? It's a Facebook page. Uh, so okay. they're they're out of the UK, and so all they have, I don't think they act. I think they have a uh, an eBay page that they sell out of. But if you type in extra armor, 
like the yeah, armoire, like you got to put the U in there, and you can kind of yeah. see those tracks that they make and how they're they're more in line, you, kind of with the. You know who spells armor A R M O U R? People who wear powdered wigs, sir. Okay, <laughs> that's who. That's the wrong way to spell it. I think. Uh, yes. It's not. Joe Rogan said it best when he said, "There's more of us now." So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm all about those fucking tracks. And I would love to see those tracks completely wrapped around a MK2B tank. I just don't have an army that that would make sense for. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Derek? Uh, let's see. Probably my favorite conversion that I've done was on one of my uh, Speakers of the Dead for my Space Wolves. I basically took the 40K, the two-handed axe, and I repurposed like the hands on the halves. And I think I had some extra bits from Ulrich the Slayer, the plastic one. So basically, I took that kind of pose. I switched in the haft from that axe because he's holding it by the head. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you have the whole haft of that where it's not uh, his uh, Crozius. So I managed to get that in there with the two hands holding onto it. And so I've got this badass fucking uh, Priest of Fenris now two-handing his uh, Crozius. I'm pretty proud of that conversion. Dude, that, yeah, I, uh, send it to the guys in the chat. Yeah, I'll, I'll post it up in the chat. It, like, once you, it, like, if you're listening back right now, and actually, I'll post this picture up on the Facebook page with the photo dump for this. Like, looking at the model, it looks like it's just a, uh, like, it's just a, a, a like, a, a Space Wolf character. But the amount of conversion work that when you realize, like, how much work actually went into that. He's the one in the background there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. That does look good. And then, of course, that chaplain up front in that Mark III armor with Ulrich's cape. Yeah. Powerful handlebar mustache. The oh, yeah. Most powerful handlebar mustache. <laughs> That's why he's my Praetor. <laughs> Being Praetor is judged by the size of your mustache. It is in my company, damn it. So it's tight. So, yeah, those are fun conversions. Those are all fun conversion ideas. Uh,. I do want to mention that one of the cool conversion ideas, so since we're on the subject of conversions, um, let me go ahead and see here. One of our Patreon members took the the Gene Steeler Colt models and converted them with the Scion heads. Uh, that was powerful, Andy. And he was making them his Night Lord's crew members. And so he was, like, making these. Uh, if, you've, if you've seen those models, they obviously look like they're space-bearing and, or space-faring models. And he took the Scion heads and he's putting them on there to make a, uh, a Night Lord's crew that is part of a sacrificial offering army that he has. And so, like... In his mind, the Night Lords, and I think they actually did it in a book, a book that I haven't read, clearly, uh, but they offer their crew up as bait, let the, like, draw the army out, and then the Night Lords come in and attack it. And so, like, the, like his army is based off of, like, the crew coming down, and, like, the conversion he did, like, they, they 100% look like they're a little, like, space-faring. Check that out. Like... And he puts a little scion head in there. Dude, that's rad as fuck. Yeah, like 100% like rogue trader style looking little space dudes. It's like crew members. It's fucking badass. So, there's so many ideas out there. I see so many fucking cool conversions and 
There's just not enough time. Hell yeah. Send in your conversions. Yeah, send us pictures of your conversions. We'd love to see them. Check your emails, Michael and Scott. Uh oh. I'm pretty sure Scott's seen this before, but maybe not. Is that your dick? Uh, it is not kidding. my dick. <laughs> if my dick had Nurgle's rot. We'll we'll podcast you there, folks. But nice man. Very cool. Check our email. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, this is that army you sold a while back. Well Yeah, I sold it to Chris place. Duncan. Yeah. Oh, that dude's riding a bull. He's got a big old hand. He's like spanking yeah, the bull. Yeah. It looks like it's badass. <laughs> Get along, little doggy. Come on now. Move along. <laughs> I'm going to throw all these up in the picture dump, Brian. Dig it. All My right. Nurgle army was like fully converted. It has like conversions everywhere. Yeah, I remember. It looked really good. Still does. It's still a thing. It's not like it fucking... It's not like it. Ryan broke it once 40k started. <laughs> he didn't just run it over with a fucking steamroller. No, I just, <laughs> I just sold it and moved on. His flaming car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next voicemail. All right, this one's awesome. Yep, it is 10 seconds of silence. It was probably a ghost calling us. There <laughs> we go. How pretty spooky. spooky. <laughs> spooky as shit. A Greenland ice pyramid disrupted his phone call. <laughs> yeah. Radio waves. <laughs> It's like Harambe trying to get the words about Hillary Clinton out, but the <laughs> fucking bullet got to work good. I have some I have some information that will lead to the <laughs> Find out he killed himself with two gunshots to the back of the head. Yep, that's how it works. Alright, here's the next voicemail. Alright, so the last name thing, I'm right there in the podcast, but I thought I'd call before I forget as I drive down the road. I mean, on, on the side of the road because driving while you're on the phone's illegal. Yeah. Alright, back to the Smith and Potter last name, you know, that's what you did, that's what your last name was. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I know, shut up, you're wrong. That's what you did. So your last name's Odin's son. You did Odin's son. That's what you did. You got done by Thor. What the hell? That's just wrong. Man, what you're saying is this guy's ancestors were hookers and pirates. And that's actually pretty fucking cool. I can't argue with that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) what part of Kentucky did that dude call in from? (laughs) (laughs) Scott, get your people, man. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) <laughs> so what he was saying you cannot for everything that happens well so it's like it depends on where you're from like what like so in i believe in uh like nordic countries your name is like your family name like it's you know what i mean like your so like if your dad name was eric and you're his daughter. Your your last name would be Eric's daughter, but it's D O T T E R what R R I yeah daughter or what however D-O-T-T-E-R. they spell it yeah so you so you'd be like say your name was like say your name was Samantha you would be like Samantha Eric's daughter like would be your last name so 
this guy's last name is Odin's son, meaning like the son of Odin, which is hilarious. It's awesome. Or if you used his logic, that means that his ancestors were fucked by Odin's son. They did Thor. That's what that's what his logic was. Well, that's like in like if your last name is like oh, what's a that's like calling Smith. Me. Yeah, like the last name Smith is supposed to be like you were your yeah. ancestors were Smiths, like blacksmith, like you're John the Smith, so it'd be John Smith. But it's like it depends on where you're from in the world and how the you know they did that. I guess how they yep. their their local naming conventions. By his logic, I would be like IRS and because I've been fucked by the IRS a few times. Is that <laughs> Did you know in Iceland you have to submit your like if you name your child you have to submit it to the Icelandic government for approval. They only approve certain names because they want to keep uh, like oh. their their tradition. I like that man. That would cut down on the number of Cadens and Bradens and Jadens in this fucking world. <laughs> <laughs> the name's fine, but we met our quota, so you have to pick a different name. No, it's it's so that they preserve their traditions or whatever. So you basically have to have like kind of like a within a certain like traditional Icelandic name. You have to submit it to the Icelandic government. If your name isn't written on the pyramid, then it, you can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was in Greenland, not Iceland. Oh. I don't know anything about Greenland. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know you had to submit your name to the government. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. I, I did wanna... not just look that up or anything, so uh, I probably just lied through my teeth. But I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere on a plane or when I was doing Icelandic research on I was Iceland gonna, trip. I was going to make a joke, like, no, you can't name it blank, but I'm pretty sure, like, no matter what name I say would offend some group of people. So I'll just, I'll just not say the joke. <laughs> Here we go. Iceland name laws. Let's see what it says. Oh, yes, please. Uh... So, since 1925, one cannot adopt a family name unless one explicitly has legal right to do so through inheritance, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm not going to get into all of it, but I want to say that, yeah. So, first names may not, uh, not previously used in Iceland must be approved by the Icelandic Naming Committee before being used. <laughs> That's a real thing. Huh. My goodness. That's on... Yeah. So, anyway. Well, at least you weren't wrong. At least you weren't wrong. But that's it for uh for all of the voicemails. So, let's There was go no spooky voicemails. There was absolutely no spooky voicemails. That's that's sad. Like Ryan really built us up into having Way to come through, guys. No spooky voicemails. Jesus. I'm so glad we can count on all you guys. Yeah, that's why we don't ask for nice things around here. <laughs> you know what? Just never <laughs> mind. <laughs> don't call it. <laughs> we'll just do normal voicemails. Let it go. Just never forget mind. it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all they spirit gone now. So. <laughs> just, just cancel, cancel October. Cancel Halloween. <laughs> so we have I don't a. Like it's Scott's favorite season or anything, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Nobody's fault. Nobody's fault except for all of y'all who didn't call in leave spooky voicemails. But anyway, we have a email that we need to read off that came in from powerful Connor. Let me go ahead and pull that up. McGregor? Connor McGregor, yes. 
Nice. Wait. I know these things. <laughs> Who the he that? says, hey, Ryan, had a great time at the Michigan GT this year. I originally got into 30K just for the painting. I love the Casode's lore and models, so I got them to paint up. I was only about, it was only after some potting or prodding that I finally got into playing the game with them. I heard they were strong. I guess I just didn't realize how strong until this past weekend. I tried to temper my list with some sisters, but they performed pretty good. Uh, next year, I aim to be not the guy riding a bike in a foot race. Powerful quote from last episode. <laughs> I'm happy to be the guy to get an easy custodes tag from. Uh, I, I am happy to get be the guy to get an easy custodes tag from though if Scott's challenge still stands. Well, won't be too easy because I'm on the hook for a fucking steak dinner to somebody. <laughs> I mean, go down swing it if you can. <laughs> Far from wanting to be that guy, especially among the heresy crowd, I have decided I should man up and start playing a legion. I've decided on playing world eaters. The white on blue seems like a cool scheme, and they seem like the most tragic legion. However, now that I have picked legion, I seem kind of stuck. I really don't want all the ins and outs of that heresy space marine, of the heresy space marines. If you could suggest a solid, fluffy twenty-five hundred point list as a starting point, anyway. So, but yeah, he's trying to kick his custodies habit in in relation to last episodes. Uh, just, just shit talking. I feel like. Are you saying we did something positive for a change? <laughs> like Thank if we just keep Christ. berating them, they'll stop playing. Custodians. We're fucking seventy six episodes in or something. We finally did something worthwhile. Holy shit! <laughs> so, you know what, guy? You know, Connor. Honestly, you gotta admit you have the problem before you can start recovering from it. So this is just the first step in the custodes problem. You you're 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 healing. Let the healing begin. Good on you, man. Good fucking on you. I wish more people had the same attitude this dude does and was like, you know what? It's not a lot of fun to play an army that everybody else fucking hates. So maybe I should change my ways. Good on him. If everyone had that positive attitude, this world would be a better place. But Yeah, because you know there's the custodians out there player that just says, Yeah, fuck them. I like winning. Like there's the those yeah, guys are I'm out like, there oh, somewhere. Fuck em. I'm just gonna fucking keep yeah. Nah, you can tell you can tell just from talking to Connor that that's not why he took him. Everybody yeah, in our game club right. likes him. So yeah, awesome. we've, we've met him a couple times. He was up at the Amara thing, and he was at this one. And I didn't get to talk to him too much because I was running the Dark Age event, but I came went over and talked to him for five, ten minutes. And Nick uh, hit it off with him. Nick really likes him. Scott said he got on with him fine. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. Seems he like seems a, like a cool yeah. dude. So Very tall. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I find it. But <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know those things because everyone's taller than me. So like, I just yeah, like yeah, fuck it. He's like way, way taller. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Scott's three like Ryan. you can you can blow him without even kneeling yeah, down. Yeah, Ryan. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I don't like. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was short. Like, I didn't know. Dick, that I, I didn't know dick to forehead was like. <laughs> yeah. If you need to find somebody in a crowd, you should be friends with Connor, and he can just pick you up and just like, yeah. Look, yeah. find the person you're seeking. Yeah, just I'll tug just on, on, just tug shirt. on his shirt, Ryan, and he'll. If, if, <laughs> if I ever, if I ever show up with an eye patch, it's because I was around Connor when he was excited. All right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He got excited, turned a little too quick. <laughs> oh dang it! 
<laughs> oh, so so good on you, Connor. And we learned my how tall question, you were. And how long you were. To him, what kind of world eater's army does he want to play? Obviously, assault if you're drawn towards world. Uh, he eaters, says he but... doesn't have any requirements other than taking Karn. So, I think a drop assault vanguard list would be cool. Yep. Um, I uh, the obvious like power choice if you want like the best performing army is like one that we've done a ton it's at a whichever is the one where you get the bonus to feel no pain crimson path the crimson yeah path, crimson, crimson path, path, path and ambulance and apothecary yeah crimson path and ambulance calls is like that's a give me list like yeah. but like a, a bunch of people are doing that i actually think uh because I just there's a guy wrote, on this podcast with two thumbs and is also doing that list. It yeah. might be me, but <laughs> um, I think if he likes assault marines, drop assault vanguard would be cool. You could throw in some claws in that list. Like basically anything assault would be good. Scott's sacri- or uh, Scott's um, Josh's sacrificial offering list is pretty badass. World leaders work well with that. Um, it's a fun list too. Yeah. So basically anything assault oriented, uh, orbital assault. Drop Assault Vanguard, uh, um, Sacrificial Offering, uh, Crimson Path, Berserker Assault, all those work well. I think Drop Assault Vanguard is something people are sleeping on, man. I'm going to try to run a, a little bit of that as well. I, I wrote a the, the list goes. I wrote this week that we're going to go over later for Night Lords is a Drop Assault Vanguard list. There you go. Wake up, people. For real yeah. though, like how long y'all been sleeping on Drop Assault Vanguard? I haven't seen anybody play Drop life. Assault. Look Get into together. it. Look, yeah, look Our into it. Look into it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Just look into it, boys. <laughs> so it's gonna be the new hotness soon. So anyway, Connor, glad you glad you wrote in. We had to get your email read off. So. Me and Scott will work you up the list this weekend. I'll set it here on my desk with Scott's world leader stuff. Boom. Okay. So now on to the powerful third legion. Empress Chirin. Empress Chirin. The Empress Finest. Fulgrim's army. Empress Children. The fighting third. Fighting third. So... What can we You're say into about some these? foot stuff? I'm just <laughs> what can we say about the Emperor's Children that hasn't been said, boys? So, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, then you're probably coming in. Somebody probably was like, "Oh, you're playing Emperor's Children." I listened to this podcast that you should probably check out called Radio Free Istvan, and they did an Emperor's Children episode. You should check that out and totally skip all their pyramid talk at the beginning and go to this part. And here you are. You missed all the cool pyramid talk. Fuck you. Go back. It's pretty <laughs> badass. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, here you are. You're listening to the Emperor's Children portion of the podcast. And so we're going to go ahead and approach this, all you veteran listeners who are listening right now and aren't like – you're probably going to be like, yeah, we know that. Duh, you got that wrong. Uh, so we're going to go up and approach this like this is somebody who has no idea how Emperor's Children work, have no idea what their fluff is or anything like that. We're just going to kind of break simple stuff down. So like I said, we're going to go over a short little bit about their fluff. We're going to go ahead and go over their style of play for you if you're new to Heresy and 30K. Uh, we're going to go over some of their special rules they have for being Emperor's Children. We're going to go over some of their special units. And some of the right of wars that they have, and and some of the right of wars that they don't have specific to them, more generic right of wars that are they are good with. So, so 
that being said, who are the Emperor's Children? So, Emperor's Children is the third legion that was found. Yeah, well, I guess it was the third legion, not that was found. Sorry, they uh, <laughs> I'm already already fucking this all up. <laughs> just, just cut that. We'll, we'll just cut it. <laughs> no, we gotta leave it in. It's gotta be. It's gotta be natural. So, the Emperor's Children uh, didn't originally always have the Emperor's Children name. Uh, they, they're. Well, I guess we'll just start with their home world. Their original home world is Charno, Charnos. Chemos. 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 I'm sorry. Chemos. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Michael. I'm trying. I'm trying to. <laughs> we got our one good thing out of the way for the year. Now it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Thank you, Carl, for being the bright spot in what is normally a shadow of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Chemos. Chemos. So I. Like I just let me just I, like I'm trying to we're, we're trying to I'm trying to wing this right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you don't say. You the don't dark, say you're trying the dark to age of one went so wow. better, so much better. So anyway, let's talk about just like just fluff wise in general. So they came from Chemos. Uh, their Primarch is Fulgrim. When Fulgrim landed on his planet, like if you don't understand any of the background, uh, Fulgrim was one of the primarchs that the emperor made and he shit that chaos shit out into all these planets. Uh, the planet that Fulgrim landed on was a mining world that it's just to get an idea when he landed on this planet, it was this like mining world. And within 50 years he had taken this bullshit little mining colony that was there and he had introduced it to more practical ways, uh, to mine. He had kind of invented and helped create, uh, different, methods of mining and different like machinery and all that stuff to how and how to use it. He taught them how to create these things. And within 50 years, uh, he was the, I, I guess the, 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 the super God of this world. And so by that time they were insanely flourishing. So by the time he had trained them all up and had gotten them all into, uh, like, taken them out of the 50s and dropped them into the year like 2050 you know he advanced them 100 years uh then by that point you know they were this flourishing colony of rich aristocrats and they had time they had excess so they had excess they had excessive wealth and everything like that so they had time to uh look into the arts and to look into uh different things like uh you know, uh, dance and all the all the stuff that you see rich people have. Um, and then the emperor showed up, and uh, Fulgrim said, "Hey, imp, I remember somehow Fulgrim remembered the uh, the the double headed eagle of the emperor, and immediately w- accepted in the emperor and was like, oh yeah, that's my dad. I I forgot he's my dad. So immediately was taken up, pulled up board by him, and." share pledged his loyalty to the emperor uh something to note the original emperor's children uh the 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 uh the third the third legion actually had a uh a disease called the blight that had fucked up their gene seed and so the gene seed actually they were the smallest legion smaller than the thousand sons when fulgrim had taken them over uh, so that's something and they used Fulgrim's genetic material to correct the blight. Correct. Yes, that's right. 
So uh, for a while there, so you had Fulgrim is this little brother who is like, you know, got this tiny little legion trying to build it up and trying to make everything work out. And so because he had such a small legion, he could not go on these massive campaigns like stronger, larger legions where it would go on. So he spent a lot of time with the Sons of Horus. And, or I guess not Sons of Horus. Uh, Luna the, time. the Luna Wolves. Spent a lot of times with the Luna Wolves and with Horus. And uh, so so they, they created a really strong relationship. So uh, one thing that you'll see, guys, you'll see a lot of is, uh, for starters, the Emperor's children, uh, because the Blight was still present in their gene seed, uh, a lot of the Emperor's children were weaned off from the rest of the Legion and killed. Like, they were just murdered if they showed any signs of the blight. There's a cool uh, audio drama about that with uh, Fabius Bile. I think it's called Chimurgeon. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so they would, they would like, so there's a lot of things that you'll see about the Legion, and probably one of the biggest things is uh, perfection. Uh, they, they try and have the perfect martial prowess. They, they you know, they're all about uh, perfection and keeping everything. Uh, in line and and that does have a lot to play in it where you know your spartan style <laughs> murdering babies uh <laughs> who, who you know it's like you, you, 300 style killing babies but not but like full-grown men who couldn't accept the gene seed that you forced upon them but whatever you know it happens so anyway um so they did start out as a smaller legion and so they did have a lot to uh to compare to so you have the the luna wolves who they fight alongside a lot and they were well known for fighting alongside uh local militia and non-super enhanced humans uh because of how much they had to do it so there there was a lot of times where they would fight around you know solar ox and militia and so uh they're they're pretty known for that and uh, one of the cooler stories uh i i don't remember the planet off the top of my head but coming into 30k, uh, if you're if you're fresh in a 30k out of 40k, I'm pretty sure you've already heard at this point. Like I know that I heard when I first came into 30k was, "Hey man, are you gonna shave those Aquilos off?" And uh, everybody everybody tells you that. You know, it's uh, it's the, most of the uh, Games Workshop models that come out, even some of the Forge World models that come out, will have the Aquila stamped on them. And uh, why people say, are you going to shave those off, is because during the Horus Heresy, the Emperor's children were the only legion that were Great allowed... Great Crusade. Or, I'm sorry? During the Great Crusade. During the Great Crusade. Yeah, during the Great Crusade. So, yeah, my bad, not Horus Heresy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, during the Great Crusade, the Emperor's children were the only legion allowed to wear and to have the Emperor's Aquila adorned on their armor uh, because that legion with the custodes saved the emperor from a vortex missile attack from a uh, from a from a world revolting so uh so you don't have to do any shaving with emperor's children if that helps your choice on which legion you want to play but now that you have mentioned that that is starting to eat at me because i know i have not only do i have shit with aquilas on it but i have shit with them they're in my trader army, my Iron Warriors trader army. Like it's on my dreadnought drop pods and my Cestus, I know for sure. And I'm not going to shave them off because well, I'm not uh, like we're not <laughs> calling you a piece of shit for it. But you know, somebody oh. out there might. 
<laughs> just say that say they, were spo- <laughs> they were spoils of war for Miss Von 5. They just fucking right. picked up all the scrap shit and decided to use it for Miss Von 5. All the is Van 5 yep. stuff. So, going back into Fulgrim and some of the fun stuff he does. Uh, so, Fulgrim uh, did have a very strong relationship with, uh, with Horus, but I think he even had a stronger relationship with uh, Ferris Manus. Um, they actually forged each other's weapons. Uh, is so, that what the kids are calling it nowadays? Yeah. Yeah, that sounded pretty ambiguous <laughs> there, but you got it. That's the kind of relationship they had. So, okay. uh, so they were just really close friends, like Sam and Frodo, <laughs> or Ernie. Share the load. <laughs> oh, but they were on. Oh, oh, damn it. Anyway, bro jobs aside. Bro how jobs close, aside. Boys. How close were these guys? <laughs> so anyway. So both of these brothers, uh, if uh, and I'm not sure, uh, is it is it Fulgrim where they kind of go into their relationship a, a little bit? Um, there's there's a number of horse heresy yeah. books that you can go into, yeah. but I think Fulgrim is going to look into the uh, the Emperor's children probably the most if you want to look into some fluff on it. Uh, it will definitely give you the background on what caused them to turn to chaos. Um, uh, it, it involves the lair. It involves a secret sword talking to Fulgrim and convincing him to turn and kill his brother, who he's most close with. Um, I don't know. Do, do y'all want to add anything to, about Fulgrim? Or I hear he was a pretty good dancer. He's a great dancer. Yeah, he got had. He got possessed by a demon sword, and that's kind of how. Uh, yeah, we are where we are now with Snake Man, Fulgrim. Yeah. Yeah, I would I, honestly. Incoming, I, incoming horrifying model from Games Workshop, no <laughs> doubt. Fucking showing that <laughs> final result, I'm sure. But I don't know, man. They can't show like titties anymore, so I can't imagine uh, they'd no, be I able to do anything know. like ridiculous with him. So anyway, so like the fucking cat in the hat or something. <laughs> Damn. So so as far as him turning to chaos, uh, there was a like snake style. Uh, people, race of alien Xenos that worship Slanesh. And when Fulgrim attacked the lair, which they were called the lair, right? Yeah, L-A-E-R. L-A-E-R. Uh, he did take one of these swords from them. And uh, this demon sword that was called the sword. out to they had a They had a weird continent that was surrounded by all these other islands that all like moved around in a random pattern on this world. And when they attacked the last continent, he went into this cave where they were all at, and they were all, like, writhing in uh, ecstasy and just, like, fucking and eating each other or some shit. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. As you and, do. As you yeah, do as in you ecstasy. Do. Uh, and he, like, walks through them, and they don't, they, like, totally ignore that he's even there because of what they're doing, and there's, like, a sword, like, on a plinth or driven in a stone or whatever, and he, with a gem in it, and he pulls the sword out, and that's kind of the sword that it, uh, corrupted that entire world and race of beings and then it basically gets him this is what gets me man this is what fucking gets me okay gets him. I'm, gets i fucking hold on to my suspension of disbelief as much as i can but <laughs> like if you're like this giant fucking 
mega intelligent being who's smarter than anyone who's ever lived ever, and you walk into a room with that kind of shit going on, why in the fuck don't you just turn around and walk back out? No, I'm going to walk through that oh, and y'all, then y'all pick fucking? up this oh, very <laughs> suspicious I'm, I'm sword out of the stone in the middle of the, all of this going on. And, and says, I'm going to keep gonna it. Be okay? Like, what the fuck do you think was going to happen? Like, <laughs> it was just going to ward you frequent fucking flyer miles. I mean... <laughs> So that's my demon, sir. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Could have happened it's, to anyone. It's like, what was this? Is this what y'all making this big deal about? <laughs> I'm keeping it. It's mine now. Oh, man, I mean, all this seems pretty normal. I'll just grab this. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I get that, Scott. But uh, so for for all you guys who are out there listening who have never heard this fluff before, and Hopefully, all the people who do know the fluff have turned off by now and <laughs> have fast-forwarded through they a horrible retelling. It's <laughs> enough in our horrible retelling. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, this sword that he picked up what does, in fact, have a demon inside of it. It is, it is possessed by a demon. The demon is stuck in the sword and uh, channeling the god Slanesh through the sword. Uh, so, so Fulgrim goes ahead and picks his sword up, takes it with him, and uh, throughout the entire uh, start and beginning of the heresy, it just so happened that this happened at like a, a very appropriate time when his brother had decided to get stabbed by a, a plague or plague dagger knife on another the, planet. The Athane blade. The Athane blade, and so uh, <laughs> so it, it came at a very a very good time and. Um, to turn him to chaos so he br- he brought that sword onto the ship started hearing voices in his head uh did not understand them they thought it was his own voice thought that he uh he did not realize that there was a completely separate entity inside of him uh because he would have never understood that because once again i think we actually talked about this on the last the dark angel episode uh the emperor did not let his sons know that chaos was a thing so they had no idea to look out for shit like this. So whenever he started hearing voices yeah. in his head, he just kind of went with it and was like, no, okay, cool. I'm not going to tell anybody I'm fucking crazy. Hey, it's like, fine. I'm like, sure. Yeah, like, I've had lots of strange things inside me. I might be what's the difference. <laughs> Off he went. <laughs> frolicking down the hallways of his flagship like he does. Spreading <laughs> his pig stuff everywhere. And turns out it was fever. So you you bring in this uh, this demon blade, which is capable of corrupting an entire continent planet, and bring it onto his flagship. And you have to understand at this time, like I had said, that you know his his uh, his home world was full of uh, art, and, you know, flourishing. It was full of different sorts of uh, artistic venues and outcries. So there was you know painters on the ship there was you know music makers on the ship at this time they were working well, on was this. remember they yeah. they uh, were one of the legions that really re- embraced the remembrancers because they were obsessed with their own personal perfection and were kind of like a little bit um arrogant mm-hmm. and yeah. self-obsessed and so they liked people to like paint portraits of them or write epic musical Sonnets poems and, about them and shit yeah. like that they really enjoyed that so 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 yeah so all these artistic individuals on the uh, on his flagship immediately were corrupted, uh, not immediately I guess slowly but in like the grand scheme of things like over the course of like maybe like six months were just fucking uh, turned into 
like Lustville, USA and Crazyville, like Crazy Town. And, and like I said, if you go read Fulgrim, there's a lot in there. Like I, uh, the people painting with their own blood and shit like that. And uh, everybody fucking. It's just pretty bonkers, man. There's a lot of naked Fulgrim going on in the book Fulgrim, which is cool, you know. I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your, uh, your... The Emperor's children basically fall the furthest, the fastest of any Legion. Like, yeah. they go from being Space Marines to essentially being fucking, essentially chaos, corrupted chaos Space Marines faster than anyone. Absolutely. Like, in in the, bo- the very beginning of Angel Exterminatus, when they show up with their little freak parade... Um and the Iron Warriors are like, what the fuck has happened to these idiots? <laughs> oh, Fulgrim, Fulgrim just has like got a banana a real, hammock on. <laughs> he's just he's like got a real Amanda Bynes situation going on. First, yeah. we, yesterday we were all mad, and now we're full on Miley Cyrus. Like, yeah. <laughs> so so yeah yeah, uh, Angel Exterminatus does have a really good example that contrasts them and. And actually shows how other legions viewed them because even Perturabo was like, "Brother, what the fuck have you been doing in that fucking <laughs> ship? Like, why is why is everybody covered in feces and blood? Like, what's happening? Like, what did you do to your rhinos?" <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a it, it, they fell really fast. And then I've always wondered um, because Fabius Bile was kind of one of the uh, the workers to fight the blight. Like he was one of those. Uh, one of the the this key surgeons and fighting this blight and all this shit. He has it. Yeah, he has the blight, but like, like he seemed to be like unfazed by this corruption. He's like, oh cool, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, let's do fucking freaky shit. Yeah, let me go ahead and uh, start unlocking all this uh, all this Xenos tech. Like, I guess we should touch base on that as well. What uh, on the uh, the 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 cacophony and how that started out, you know? Well, that was, they picked up the instruments as part of the book Fulgrim at the end of it. They have some crazy orchestra thing that they, this chick creates all these crazy instruments that they end up summoning demons and killing a bunch of people with like musical sound and the emperor's children like it so much. They rush on, they rush the stage kind of like a college football game and tear the goalpost down, but instead they rush the stage and grab the instruments and just start, like, killing all the civilians with it on the ship and, like, partying on, and they become, like, the first noise marines. That's rad as fuck. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty baller. It's uh, pretty baller. And then on top of that, you have uh, Fabius Bile running around. Uh, so, like, he, like, as soon as everybody started getting corrupted, Fabius Bile was allowed to start... Um, operating on different uh different space marines he started testing out different captured marines uh he started uh surgically implanting different uh xenos um organs organs onto them like uh like i think was it was it the lair that actually had the the screaming voice that that i can't remember if it was the lair or the uh, i think it was the lair yeah, that, I don't uh, remember. Yeah, they, they basically had this, like, larynx that would emit a sound that would paralyze and, and shut down. It was a loud fucking sound. So he started putting that into people's throats, started making his own special marines with, like, all this, like, different super surgeon shit. Pretty fucking bonker stuff. So, so um, that's just, like, a rough history on 
on how they fell, what happened to them, things like that. Um, prior to them falling, they were a legion of perfection, like I said. So a lot of the things that they had, uh, there was a uh, um, there was a lot of uh, martial pride in them. Uh, they did have a lot of uh, uh, I'm not sure how to put it, like a the battle prowess, like a lot. Like I, I guess what I what you would imagine if you'd seen like an, like an Italian Renaissance sword fighter. There's a lot of skill, but like finesse. grace, finesse going on. Uh, so when you think of like other legions, you think of like what you can compare them to. I think we took like the Dark Angels. You could compare them to like knights. If you were to look at like uh, world eaters, you'd compare them to uh, gladiators and stuff like that. I think if I were to take these any- guys are all like all expert duelists. Yeah, these guys are just like fantastic like duelists. You know, the little rapiers and stuff like that. But they're all. You know, this is what they spend their spare, spare time doing is just cutting each other up in these these badass duels and stuff like that. So, um, so keep that in mind whenever you're, you're you're looking into an army and you're looking at creating an army like this. Uh, they are perfection. They are the epitome of perfection. There, uh, all of their tactics should work and should should be perfect. You know, that, that's that's how they do it. So. So talking about that, that kind of brings us into their style of play. So we had mentioned with the Dark Angels, the Dark Angels definitely have some more powerful builds based on uh, their Ravenwing protocol and the, uh, uh, I guess the the Ironwing things like that. And of course, they're more of a uh, uh, an army that can fit into a lot of pieces and a lot of a uh, lot of uh, different. They could fill a lot of a lot of different shoes. A lot of different shoes. Whereas the Emperor's Children are, I, I guess it'd be safe to say they're they're more of an assault-based army. Is that right? Is that fair to say? If you want to take full advantage of the war gear that they get and the Legion special rules, you need to be in an assault. Like, that, like, that's what their shit is. They don't have anything that helps you shoot. They don't have anything that helps you with tanks. They don't... Not that you can't run that stuff. It's just you get no additional benefit. You might as well just be playing with purple models at that point. <laughs> A hundred percent, guys. So uh, that that's generally the kind of build that you're going to see in here. If you want to take full advantage of their special rules, their equipment, everything like that, uh, you're not going to be running a, a full siege on army or anything like that. That's not saying that the Emperor's Children didn't have those things. Every legion had uh, dedicated units for, you know, Medusas. They had siege warfare specialists, things like that. They had all. Well, these and even things. the Emperor's Children. Like, if you want a legion that is like, you want to build a weird theme that normally doesn't fit with their fluff, the Emperor's Children is the legion to do it with because they wanted to prove that they were superior in all things. Yes. So if they ran across some Iron Hands that were shelling the shit out of fortification, they'd get it in their mind that hey, this isn't normally what we do, but if we wanted to, we could do this siege warfare better than these guys because we can do that because we're the perfect legion and they could adapt to it and do it or at least try to that's just kind of their how their how their attitude was very competitive mindset so that that is how the legion was built um however they weren't great at it you know like yes they wanted to be competitive at it uh but it's kind of like your little brother who thinks he can do everything better than you and you just got the time in so there's naturally better legions out there. And if you if you continue listening to this little mini-series we have here, you'll find out probably the legion that's going to be best suited for whatever style of play you want to. But as far as Emperor's Children's go, if you want to play an assault-based army, you could, you could do worse, you know? 
Like, yeah. this is a this is a very solid way to go. As far no, as more particularly, not only is it an assault based army, but it's an assault based army. You need to be the one charging with. Yes, exactly. Right. It's not a it's not a defensive army. This is a hundred percent offensive army coming out. Um, we'll we'll discuss a little bit more whenever we start going into the uh, the war gear that they have. Um, but definitely, this is going to be an assault based army. So I mean, if you're if you're a player who kind of wanted to sit back, let the enemy come to you, attack, and all that stuff. Uh, there's definitely different legions out there, both traitor and loyalist. If you're looking at picking a, one of those. Uh, that uh, that are that excel much better at shooting and siege warfare and stuff like that than over the Emperor's children. So, that being said, that's your style of play. Um, let's go ahead and go into uh, some of their special rules. Um, so, these special rules you can find in the uh, in the Legion of Stardays Age of Darkness Legions book, the red book that you find on uh, on the Forge World website. So, this is going to require you to purchase any special books unless you go for the last ride of war that we will talk about which is the third company elite which has to involve the cacophony and that will be in book six retribution i believe that one's or also in the, in the other red book the new army list book yeah oh is it in the new army list book i have the new army list book. yeah yeah it's in that book yeah. it's in here it's in there no that's not the new that's the no, legion's the, the, book that you have the basic like every oh more, yeah oh okay the, the one with all the yes. running stuff in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. The okay. Age of Darkness Arm Crusade, or the Age of Darkness Space Marine Army List, whatever the hell it's called. Legion okay. Oh, yeah. It's in the back where all the... Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if yeah. you have the two basic red books, you're 100% ready to go with yeah. uh, with Emperor's Children. Yep. So. Okay. So, first things first, uh, all Emperor's Children naturally have the Legion of Stardust, which uh, they'll always attempt to regroup, regardless of casualties. Uh, that's pretty much generic across the board with all Space Marines. So They have another special rule called Exemplars of War. Uh, units with this special rule have Crusader, uh, meaning they roll an additional dice when making run moves and use the highest and add D3 to their total score when making sweeping advances. Uh, characters with this rule gain plus one initiative when fighting in challenges. So naturally that's going to be good for, for combat. Of course, like we said, they're an assault-based legion. And having all these benefits uh, when you make the charge definitely are a uh, it's it's a boon to, to get that charge off. Yeah. So. Well, none of these I don't think any of these require this charge. stuff doesn't particularly make uh, require you to charge. It's the um, it's the Phoenix Spear, which is their war gear that allows them to kill like because most of the time when you're in a challenge or most of the time when you're doing that you're fighting somebody that has artificer armor so just going first the only weapons that have ap2 are almost all always unwieldy mm -hmm. at least that these guys have access to so the only so what ends up happening is yeah you go first but you swing on the guy a bunch with the power sword and he just makes all the saves and then he swings back with his power axe and cuts your fucking head off and doesn't do you a lot of good now, the thing with Emperor's Children, they get a power spear, and when they charge with that spear, it becomes AP2, and then because they're fighting at a higher initiative, they get to go first with their AP2 weapon and kill you before you ever get to go. Yeah, and so all Emperor's Children have a special rule called Flawless Execution, uh, which means they gain plus one initiative on any turn in which they charge into combat, unless they're making a right. disorder charge. Right. Which disorder charges are 
pretty. I mean, this. I mean, everybody has pretty much frag crack grenades. Yeah. So. Well, a disorder charge is when you uh, declare a charge against more than one unit, like a multiple assault. Yeah, but I thought frag grenades make all your charges disordered. No, frag grenades are for no. when you charge through difficult terrain. Yeah. Oh, you strike at initiative. Yeah. Disorder charge is specifically when you charge more than one unit at a time, and there's very few. I don't even know if there's any in 30K. There might be. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there used to be some rules in 40K where you count as making a disorder charge when you charge a certain model or whatever. All right, so delete that out. Yeah, so you'll basically be getting your flawless execution all the time. So you'll pretty much any any weapon that would uh, that would strike at a plus one initiative and at AP two is going to be really helpful for this army then. Yes, which is a Paragon Blade or a Phoenix Spear, I believe is all that there is. So another rule they have is martial pride, which means in combats where characters with this special rule are involved, Emperor's children controlling player must always issue except challenges where possible. Uh, however, if they're defeated in combat and their challenger is slain, they suffer an additional minus one penalty to leadership for the morale check of the end at the end of the combat. So that kind of comes into the perfection. It's kind of worked into their special rules there. So if they fail a challenge, if they're defeated in combat and their challenger is slain, they suffer additional minus one penalty to the leadership for the morale check at the end of the combat. So it's like a morale demoralizer on that yeah. one. Yeah, so you have to lose, you have to both lose the combat and be defeated in the challenge. So it's not, it's it's something that isn't, like, because you can, you can lose the challenge and still win the combat, or you can win the challenge and lose the combat, but you have to have both those things to line up against you for this to happen. So it's not something that happens every time. All right. And so that's pretty much all the special rules that they will get, uh, which I think the, the biggest thing is probably that plus one initiative. That's really going to stand out for you. Uh, yeah. Some of the war gear they have, uh, we'll start with the Phoenix spear since Ryan already touched base on it. Uh, so the Phoenix spear, uh, you can, Equip a Phoenix Spear on any character model with Legion of Stardust Emperor's Children special rule with access to a Power Fist as an option. You can take a Power Spear for the same cost. So anybody that you would have taken a Power Fist on, you can swap that out for a Phoenix Spear. Um, That's a character. Yeah, any yeah any character. Is there is there any th- reason why you take a Power Fist over a Power Spear anyway, Ryan? Um. I wouldn't just because this is AP two at initiative, which is pretty rare in the game. Um, fists still aren't bad. I mean, they still have their role because they give you a little bit more anti tank. But the fact that most characters can take a, a melt bomb, so you could just go with spear and melt bomb, so you can still kind of do both. Um, it's going to hurt your anti tank a little, just because like with a power fist, you get to strike multiple times, where a, a melt bomb you only get to strike once. But it's it's still worth it to me to you would pretty much always take the spear um, on your characters because it's going to make you really good in, in challenges and being able to swing several attacks at AP two is a big deal. So no matter what you do, guys, if you decide that you want to play Emperor's Children, whenever you're placing that first order with Forge World, go ahead and pick up a little pack of Phoenix spears. Uh, yeah. You do sell them separately now. You will get use out of them. You will get some mileage out of them. Uh, so. Go ahead and throw that on the order because you will be equipping sergeants with it and or different characters with it. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
next up is their Sonic Street Shakers. Uh, so a model or unit equipped with Sonic Streakers imposes a minus one weapon skill on enemy models in base contact in Assault. Enemies which are immune to fear are immune to this effect. Any independent characters with the Legion Star Days Emperor Children special rule may be given Sonic Streakers for five points each. So, so independent characters, Sonic Streakers, is that a go? Equipping people yeah, with Sonic Streakers? Yeah, you always do it. It's it's like a five-point upgrade. It's well worth it. Yeah. it. It's going to make them minus one weapon skill. So with your plus one initiative, you should be swinging first, and then with them minus one weapon skill, you should almost always be hitting on threes. So what you're looking for out of Emperor's Children because you want an assault army, everything needs to be based around using that initiative bonus. So you're going to want to run a lot of these Phoenix Spears or Paragon Blades because you're AP2 or Charnable Sabers because Charnable Sabers are rending. So they get to fight. I believe they give you plus one initiative on top of this other one in a challenge. So you get to double dip there. And then they also are rending. So anytime, you know, that can give you a... if you roll sixes to wound some more AP two, add initiative, which is good. Or you need to go the volume of attacks route where you're just swinging so many attacks that when they're going to fail, you know, hopefully have to roll a handful of dice to make saves and lose a bunch of guys before they get a swing back. So you either need to go with volume of attacks like veterans, which are four, four text piece on the charge or, you know, assault Marines or something like that. Like if, if you really want to get full advantage of this. And if I remember correctly, Ryan, you're not a really open proponent to Lightning Claws. And I, th- I think the exception is Emperor's Children for you, right? Yes. Yep. No, I, I still don't, like on Terminators, I just think that the price of dual Lightning Claws is just totally out of hand. You're giving up a fucking combi bolter and paying 15 points, which is ridiculous. Like, you can buy a single claw for five points and still keep your combi bolter. Like, right. I'm not going to give you my gun and 10 extra points for an extra attack. It's not. So... But, yeah, Lightning Claws are very good because... So, normally, I just earn all my Terminators with Power Fist. So, say I charge into a Veteran Squad. A Veteran Squad still three attacks per guy standing still. So, if I charge into my opponent's Veteran Squad, I get I have to eat 30 attacks to the face and, you know, make whatever saves that I need to make after they roll to hit and roll to wound. So, I'm, I usually lose a few guys before I get a swing back. The cool thing with Emperor's Children is... And the reason I go Power Fist is because it's like, even if I went Power Swords or whatever, I still have to eat all those attacks because we're just fighting at the same initiative. So I would, I, I just, I'll run the risk of not failing a bunch of saves and being able to guarantee guys dying when I swing back with the fists. That's just how I look at it. Right. But with Emperor's Children, because they get plus one initiative and you're actually fighting first, I mix in single Lightning Claws. So if I charge in, let's say, with. Say I have my normal five-man Terminator squad. I would normally have, you know, probably three Power Fists, two Chain Fists, and a five-man squad with Emperor's Children. I'd probably go Phoenix Spear on the Terminator Sergeant and then go two Lightning Claws on the unit and then two Chain Fists. So what's going to happen is I'm going to get six Lightning Claw attacks off the the Lightning Claw Terminators at Initiative 5 before the, those Power Armored guys get a go. And then my sergeant is going to challenge their sergeant and murder him <laughs> before he gets to go, whether he has artifice or armor or not. And then I'm going to have then extra attacks are going to swing over into the unit. And you're very likely to kill in the neighborhood of three to six of those veterans, including their sergeant, before they ever get a swing back at you. 
And then, so that's that's to, for every guy you're killing, you're taking three attacks off to get a swing back. So let's say you kill five guys, that's 15 attacks that they're not, you know, rolling at you. So you're less likely to take casualties on the back end. And then after all of that, then you still get a swing back with your two chain fists that I won and kill guys. You still want to throw a few chain fists in. You don't want to go all whatever. But that way you still have some anti-tank and also some guys to double out two wound models or whatever. So you want a good mix. But these guys definitely, you know, sprinkle in, uh, you know, things. Uh, take full advantage of the initiative take boost. Take full, yeah. 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 So and normally, like I said, I'm not a... I'm not a huge proponent of power swords and stuff. Normally, I'm almost like always take a fucking axe, like always. Um, it just it's it, if most of the time it's better. But this is another. It's it's one of those armies where, say you have a you build your own veteran squad and you put three or four power weapons in there. Let's say you do four, maybe do two axes and two swords. So you do get you know you have a couple guys swinging at initiative to kill any if you do run into some three plus armor save guys. To, to get rid of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Soften them up before you get hit back. You know? Yeah. So that's definitely something that I've always kept in mind whenever I think about Emperor's Children is how you feel about Lightning Claws. Well, and we, we both being Blood Angel players, we have something similar with Day of Revelation with the plus one initiative for, yeah. from Day of Revelation. So it's pretty similar. Um, when we talk about tactics, we know what we're talking about because we're playing army that uses kind of the same advantage with that one right or absolutely 100 percent. so as far as war gear goes that's pretty much all the special war gear they get is the sonic shriekers and the phoenix power spear um i guess the next thing we had said we were going to talk about was going to be their special units so first things first is going to be the phoenix terminator squad uh, so this is going to be their Terminators that they get special. Uh, pretty much most legions have special Terminators. What these are, uh, these are Tatar's Terminator armored uh, equipped Terminators that all have Phoenix Power Spears. Uh, they're weapon skill 5, uh, one wound each, two attacks apiece except for the Phoenix Champion who has three attacks, and uh, pretty much base stat line across the board otherwise. Uh, they have the 2 plus save, of course, and they're getting all of the Legion special rules, so they're still getting plus 1 initiative on the turn they charge. Uh, they're getting uh, the ability to... Have, they have Crusader, everything like that. Um, but they're also getting the special rule Sudden Strike, which they gain an additional plus 1 initiative bonus on any phase in which they charge. So they're getting, what, a 6 initiative when they charge yep. in? yep. Yeah, so, so they'll even fight before Praetors and stuff like that, because Praetors are I-5. So this is a... So note this accumulated with any bonus game from War Gear, Legion Rules, etc. Okay? That also uh, works if they do a Disordered Charge. Yes, it does. So that one does not leave them if they do a Disordered Charge. Yeah. Fair enough. Good call. Good catch, Derek. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. So Living Icon, this unit and all friendly units with at least one model within six inches of it, are considered to be victorious in any assault, which would otherwise be calculated as being a draw. So, never seen that come up, but it is good to have. Uh, so, I have been in draw in combats, but definitely something to look into when, I guess, you're fighting a Dreadnought and you do nothing to him and he whiffs all of his saves. He's like, oh no, I won that one. Just because there's a uh, Phoenix Terminator squad by. 
But not that it matters. It just means you won't run. Uh, then they have the Phoenix Power Spear, which is exactly the same. So how do you feel? Oh, as well, they're also stubborn and have Implacable Advance, which Implacable Advance means they are a scoring unit as well. Any, yeah, in any mission which troops are scoring, which is every mission so far that I've seen, yeah. um, then they're also uh, counted as scoring. And then um, Stubborn's obviously good. And then the also on the dedicated transport front, they have uh, they can take a Phobos or a Spartan, which is important because there are some special Terminators that don't have access to a Spartan, like Death Shroud. So, Pobrecitos. So how do you feel about these guys, Ryan? Too many points for what you get. I mean, they, they have solid rules, and they're fairly priced on the back end at 40 points a guy, but having to pay 265 up front for the first five is fucking kind of out of control. I feel like if you want to take these, you need to 100% take a 10-man squad. That way you bring the average points per model down to a reasonable level. Because so you, you, you pay 200 points for the back end, so you pay 200 points for the last five, but you pay 265 for the first five. Yeah, so you're you're basically paying 50 points per Terminator and then 65 points for the champion. And then... Yeah. Yeah. So you you can bring the points down for the next five by only... Yeah, and then you, then you average the points out. And the problem I have mainly, I feel like at this points level, where they've pointed them out at, the fact that they're also in Tartarus armor, they're only a five-up invul. So when you start running into other really elite close combat units, um, if if basically these guys are designed, they're almost like a very expensive glass cannon. They essentially charge in and have to kill everything that they charge. If they don't, if you have something that can withstand it. So if you run like other elite assault units that these guys do not want to see um, are like... Um, Red Butcher. This is Fire Drake. Um... Yeah, they probably don't want to see Red Butchers. It, in a, they'll probably mutually... Red Butchers and these guys will probably just mutually kill each other. Be, uh, because Red Butchers are always hit on a three because of their one drawback where they you don't use their weapon skill to swing back on them. You just always hit them on threes. Well, it'd be three anyway because their weapon skill five. Well, so oh, are yeah. Red Butchers, but these guys have oh, yeah. Sonic Shriekers. If they buy them, it yeah. would still be three. But, but anyway, so you're going to be hitting red butchers on a three and then you're going to be swinging before them with just a shitload of attacks. And then they're going to, you know, have 50, 50 on their invul saves, but they're two wound guys. Yeah. But then the red butchers that get to swing back just because there's so many attacks with power axes and your invul save shittier and you're only one wound guy, you're just going to keep trading models and just fucking kill each other. But you've paid more points for your guys than they've paid for red butchers. Red butchers are cheaper than these guys. So, um, so anyway, the, the ones that these guys really don't want to see are fire drakes. Uh, fire drakes are three up invul, and which you know they're gonna so they're gonna save a lot more often than not, and then also they're two wound guys, so you're not likely to you're only likely to kill maybe a couple fire drakes even though you're fighting first, and then they're gonna swing back with all their fucking hammers, axes, or chain fists, whatever they got, and just, and just murder all your dudes. Pop all of them, yeah. Yeah, so you don't want to see those guys. You don't want to see Sekhmet because same for the same reason, Sekhmet have a two up, three up. Um, so they're just going to take a bunch of three up invul saves and then swing back with their force axes and chain fists and fucking kill your whole squad of guys. 
so these guys really suffer from the fact that they for terminators they only they're in tartarus so they only have that five up and that they only um they're only one wounded guy even so i feel like they either need can like hold their own against these guys any any two wound any two wound terminator with a four up saver better these it's bad news for these guys which is unfortunately like like i said a lot of the really elite close combat units um so like i, I was looking at more of the loyalist ones like yeah, no i got gotcha. you yeah uh so i'm trying like They've There's not a lot like cesareans either. I mean, cesareans would be able to hang in there just with the three up. Well, these guys would lose their charge attack, so they're going to go down to just their base profile attacks because of the the defensive grenades because those guys have boarding shields. Um, but they're still going to fight first um, and ignore their armor save. And those guys only they have a five up involve, so it's going to be pretty a fairly even fight. Um, these guys would do okay against those guys. They're just one of those things. It's just like you pay. It's just the points. I, I think the rules feel fine. I just think like the on the front end, they're a little too expensive for what they do. I think they're about 40, 40, 50 points too expensive for the first five. And if you are playing these guys, it's pretty imperative that you get the charge. It seems like like it's, Oh yeah. If somebody, if somebody else charge, that's the other problem is their, their weapons are only AP three. If someone charges you, so just baseline cataphracty will literally fucking like you better pack a lunch if you get charged by you know even just like baseline cataphracty like you're not if baseline cataphracty charge you you're gonna have a bunch of AP three at them they're just gonna be making two up saves and then fucking swinging back with fists and axes and killing you like you're you're and you have a worse a worse uh, invul save than they do you're gonna be fucked so when I was saying like elite close combat units I was assuming that these guys are getting the charge. If these guys don't get the charge, they're going to get their just fucking spanked by a lot of units. Like, like a lot. Like anything that's <laughs> marginally good in close combat. Yeah, like it, a lot of things. Like Dark Fury, yeah, anything it, like that. Yeah, though. Well, yeah, any anything with a two-up two up save. And then, like, like you said, I mean, and then you're also losing your initiative bonus, so you're fucking fighting... Simul with essentially a shittier power sword. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not a shittier. You're getting. You're not. You're losing. You're losing the bonus attack while getting plus one. Oh no! You don't even get plus one strength. So yeah, Yeah, it's a shittier. It's just a two-handed power sword. So it's a shittier power sword if you get charged. So talking about that and talking about you know you have to have the charge. You have to get the charge off. Um. So. Obviously, dedicated transports or transports in general that are assault vehicles are absolutely important for these guys. Like, yeah, I don't, you need I don't to, think they have access run- to anything that's not an assault vehicle, actually. No, and Except like I said, being the, being if you want to run these guys, you need to run them in a giant fucking squad. You're really you're pretty much your two options, in my opinion, are a Charybdis or a Spartan. So, if you are looking at them on Forge World, you're gonna pick some up because you want to play Emperor's Children. You better price in a Spartan or a Charybdis for him. You need to you need to buy two squads so you get ten. You need to buy two packs of five, and then you need to buy a Spartan or a Charybdis depending on which way you're leaning. Wise, I personally would go Charybdis. I feel like it fits in more lists and it's cheaper. So it's like not money wise. It's I think it's more expensive than a Spartan money wise in real life. 
but points wise in the game, you're going to save yourself um, over a hundred points or right at a hundred points, depending on whether you go flare shield or not. Um, and you're still going to hold a bunch of guys. It's still going to get you where you need to go. Turn one. It's still going to be durable, and it it fits in a lot of armies and a lot of strategies better than a Spartan does. Absolutely. So that's solid advice, man. So if you're planning on buying these guys, price the Charybdis and the Spartan as well. If you if you have a, if you have a Proteus in your cart for them, immediately take that out. If you already bought yeah. one, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They'll work in a Phobos if you only have five guys, but once again, I just feel like you're really overpaying if you only buy the five. Like, if you take these guys, you, in my opinion, you need to get as many in the unit as you can because they come, the more you buy, the cheaper, the average points cost of the model goes down for every one you add to the initial five. <laughs> Absolutely. So, feel like we did good on the Phoenix Terminator squad kind of touched real good base on those y'all understand how to run them uh not really a whole lot to it they don't have a whole lot of upgrades uh good unit you have to get the charge definitely get a charybdis to get them in there uh the next special unit that the emperor's children have access to are the palatine blade squads so or these, what I like to call them fancy conversion bits to make veterans out of. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> fancy unit. veteran bits. So Palatine Blade Squad is, what makes them special is their weapon skill five, two attacks piece. Uh it's pretty much it. Uh so they have the base stat line of a space marine across the board. Um they are armed in power armor, of course. The sergeant has artificer armor that comes automatically with it. He's called the Perfector, but, uh, and they have bolt pistols, Chernobyl sabers, and frag and crack grenades. So they have counterattack built into them. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all that makes it special. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. So they have access to the, the squad. You can take, uh, power lance, power spear, or power sword uh, inside the entire unit. So you can make yourself a little mini Phoenix Terminator squad if you wanted with a three-up armor save. Um, they can also take melted bombs, and you can take the entire unit with jump packs. No, 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 no. Oh, only the sergeant gets melted bombs. That's actually pretty critical. Oh, yeah, only the perfecter may be equipped melted bombs. Yeah. So, obviously Ryan's not a fan of this unit. What do you got to no. say about that? That's it. That's there all I got for them. They many, don't... There are way too many points for what they do. You can build out almost an identical unit uh, using using veterans and giving them Weapon Master for far less points. Um, and they'll do the exact same thing for you and also be a scoring unit. Yeah, that is something to look at. These do not have implacable advance or anything like that, so they're definitely not scoring either. Uh can, can the veterans take power spears across the board, though? I mean, that's... No. Yeah, but you're paying 10 points another model for that. So these guys are 135 points for five dudes. Plus 50 would make them 185 points if you were to take... For, f for five guys. For five dudes with power spears. 
In power in armor. In power. Yeah. Good fucking luck getting <laughs> these guys into close combat. And then if you want to buy those guys jump packs or something, it's another 10 points a guy. So you could end up, for five dudes, you could end up paying 235 points for five guys with jump packs and spears. So for, power for a full 10-man squad loaded out with Phoenix Power Spears and jump packs, you're looking at 435 points. In a non-scoring unit in power armor. <laughs> and one perfecter may take a melt bomb inside of it. So Yeah. So so they would only be good at fighting infantry and they would only be only be good at fighting elite infantry if they get the charge. They're not going to be able to take any attacks coming back their way in close combat or shooting really without losing massive amounts of guys. Um it's just and they don't score. Like it's just a bad I'm just not I like the models a lot. I think that the models look really good. Um that's why I mean I'm just a fan if you want to really if you if you really like the models, just buy the models and use them as veterans, weapon master vets, and you'll get the same fucking unit for far less points. So yeah, so if the Phoenix Terminator squad was a glass cannon, this is like those sugar glass cannons, like the sugar glass they use to like throw special effects artists make to throw people through windows and stuff that like really <laughs> brittle sugar glass that would be these guys in cannon form like so i was going to read what a turnable saber is because a lot of people it's kind of a weapon you don't see that often right so it's just a close combat weapon so it's strength it's strength as user ap nothing it's a melee weapon it has duelist edge so in a challenge you get plus one initiative which emperor's children always already get that anyway so these guys with a turnable saber, you'll be plus two initiative. So you'll be six. really going yeah. initiative six, which is good. You'll go before Praetors and shit, and it has rending. So it's not horrible, but I mean, the fact that they get them for free isn't that bad. But I mean, you're not, you're talking, it's, it's like, a, you know, it, when they price it out, it's usually considered less, it's less points than a power sword. So it's like a, a tier. It's like the tier right below a power sword or a power sword equivalent. Right. What about power lance? I think a power lance is AP four as yeah. user on the ch strength user on the charge, and then when you if you charge with it, it's AP three strength plus one. Yeah, it's one less AP than the Phoenix spear. Yeah. So how do you how do you feel about that? It's terrible. I don't understand it. There's like, very few things that have access to a power lance, but would you take a power lance over the Chernobyl saber? No. <laughs> Fuck no. God. What, what if it was free? What if the power lance was free? Uh, uh, yeah. What if it was? Because then it's AP three all the time. I would still mix it because the the cool thing about the Chernobyl saber is it can hit AP two because it has rending. So if you absolutely had to run this squad, then running it with a mix of the Charnable Saber and the Power Lance would be the way to go? Or, I guess, oh, power, pepper in the power You would run, run a few Power Spears. I would just throw, like, two or three. I wouldn't go fucking overboard. I'd give my Sergeant a Power Spear. Um, let's see. No, they have Chosen Warriors. So anybody in the unit can accept a challenge so you don't have to put it on the sergeant if you don't want but i probably would because he has artificer armor so i'd probably give the sergeant a power spear a phoenix power spear and maybe two other guys i feel like three is enough 
because on the charge you're looking at that's going to be nine AP two attacks at eight at initiative five or six, depending on if you're in a challenge or not with one of those guys. So it's not it's not too bad. They do have counterattack, which is okay. It's not anything to write home about because if you think about it. You don't want these guys being charged because all your bonuses are on the charge. So if somebody's charging you, you've already fucked up. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Dig it. So it's, it's cool rewarding bonus. you for. Yeah. So I, I, this is my least one of one of the units that really needs help in the game. It's probably one of the least effective units in Heresy. That needs to be reviewed. Okay. Next up. Uh, so in the Horse Heresy game, you can play Traitor or you can play Loyalist. And this is one of the few examples of the Loyalist version. Uh, actually, so funny enough, uh, Phoenix Spears, or I'm sorry, Phoenix Terminator squads and Palatine Blade squads are not Traitor only. Right. So just, nope. just a, so if you want to play the trader version of or if you want to play the trader version or loyalist version you'll have access to this the next special unit which is real nor the unyielding uh he's in a dreadnought uh, that is is he he's a new... is he a dreadnought it doesn't say he's a dreadnought michael <laughs> he's a unique type of vehicle walker uh but it does not say he's a dreadnought so which makes a big deal here in a second you'll see um so for starters, so this is only available to loyalist armies. So if you're a loyalist, Emperor's Children Army, which there's very few of, then you can have access to Realnor the Unyielding. So at 255 points, he is a unique type of vehicle. He's a vehicle walker. Uh, he comes with smoke launchers, searchlight. He comes with a carries assault cannon and a dreadnought close combat weapon with inbuilt heavy flavor. Uh, he's got automatic shielding, fleet, crusader, venerable, and mantle of glory so out the gate he's weapon skill six plus skill five which is the weapon skill is better than any other contemptors out there and we're just assuming he's a contemptor we don't really know um but generally you'll see contemptors are weapon skill plus skill five so he's got that bonus for him uh he's strength seven uh front armor 13 side armor side armor 12 rear armor 10 which is kind of shitty it's like the cortis level contemptor armor no, uh, that's a normal Contemptor armor. I thought Rear Contemptor was 11. No, they're 13, 12, 10, and a Cortis is one lower on the side. It's uh, 11 on the side. 13, 11, 10? Okay. Yeah. Uh, then Initiative 4, uh, two attacks, three whole points. He's got Adamantic Shielding, which gives him, which every Contemptor has. Uh, it says the Contemptor Dreadnought has a 5 plus invulnerable save against shooting attacks. So That's really cool for Contemptor Dreadnoughts, but what does Rylan or the Unyielding have? <laughs> yeah. So we're can he can he ride in a can he ride in a dreadnought drop pod? We don't know because dreadnought drop pods don't say they can carry a fucking unique vehicle walker. It says they can carry contemptor dreadnoughts. Yeah, so that's the issue, guys. Uh, so I'll continue with what he has before we go into his what he could ride in. Uh, so as the uh, automatic shielding, which all contemptors have, uh, five plus invulnerable save against shooting attacks and sixty plus against uh, uh, suffered against close combat. Um, he's venerable, which means he may force results on the vehicle damage chart against him to be re-rolled, which, uh, most 
I guess most old contemptors and the old rules, they had that available to them and they lost it. But like him getting it back is pretty cool. So he's venerable dreadnought. So he gets the, he can force you to reroll the vehicle damage chart, which is kind of cool. Uh, he's got the mantle of glory. So uh, he was units with the Legion Stardust special rule within the same side as Relnor, who are within 24 inches, can reroll failed morale checks and add plus one to the score when determining who has won an assault. So, uh, Ryan, how do you feel about this guy? Um, he's okay. He's very similar to the Ultramarine one, um, ancient Telemachus or whatever. Right. Um, so you look at a standard Contemptor. Standard Contemptor's one seventy five, and then you buy a Carries for it. I think a Carries is like I don't have my book in front of me. I think with the Carries and everything, you you're like at like one ninety, like right around two hundred points. So if you wanted to build a uh, a contemptor with a heavy flamer and a carries, you're already at basically 200 to 210 points. Um, so you're essentially paying an extra 55 points to get an extra weapon skill, um, the venerable special rule, crusader, and mantle of glory. So, eh, it's it's okay. I mean, he's not, he's not anything like that's a, an auto include, but I'm not, you know, mad at somebody for wanting to include him. Yeah. And I feel like if you were going to load out a contemptor with a dreadnought close combat weapon and a carries assault cannon, uh, it's definitely a standard loadout that you would kind of see in like zone mortalis. Uh, but putting him on the field like that and expecting him to run forward and be able to handle his own and live through that is going to be pretty difficult. Uh, there's a lot of things in the, in the horse heresy game that will kill stuff from long range before it gets to you. Uh, so yeah. a lot of list will include dreadnoughts that are, in, you know, contemptor dreadnoughts or Leviathans, anything like that. They will put them in a dreadnought drop pod, uh, or an ambulance, or an ambulance drop pod to get them up the board quicker because it's a very powerhouse unit. It's a very strong unit and he deals a, it's a, it's, he deals a lot of damage and getting him into combat early on in the game. So he can, be most effective is very smart the problem with real nor is he is not classified as a contemptor although here's the thing let's be let's be real here no one is going to hold you against that my big issue is this particular fucking problem has been in every forge world book with named dreadnoughts since badab wars came out (laughs) which is like Shit! What is that? Eight years ago? Seven years ago? Yeah. And I've I've literally sent them an email about it at least a dozen times, and it's never made an FAQ. We even it's said never been corrected. Yes. <laughs> so this is like of all FAQ questions or things that I've wanted answered for the longest time. This has been the one that's the longest running that I've never gotten a straight answer to or never gotten them to correct and they act like it's not a big deal yeah which fortunately for you fellas out there most event organizers are aware of this problem and they self faq it but that's not always going to be the case it's not you're not always going to have those cool individuals so there could be possibilities rules wise he does not have access to a dreadnought drop pod just flat out raw he has no access to that. Unfortunately, that's just how it goes. None of that. He also is not on the list for uh, for an Anvilus either. Yeah, not on the list for an Anvilus, not on the list for a Dreadnought Drop Pod. 
uh, yeah, he can't be can't load up into uh, a Mastodon or a Thunderhawk or anything like that. They just can't carry him because he's not. Yeah, because he he has a unit type that isn't like that's just a made up unit type that nothing else in the game has or nobody's ever thought about writing rules for. Yeah. So, guys, we try. Trust us. We we try and get y'all FAQs on this. Uh, if if you're one of those listeners that saw, hey, there's Emperor's Children. They're talking about that. I want to plan on starting Emperor's Children, and I've never heard of Radio Fist on before. Uh, we sent them like what? I think it was eight sheet cakes with all the FAQs that we had. Uh, we had gathered all the FAQs, and this was one of the questions. So if you start listening to us now and you hear us talk about the cake questions, that was one of the cake questions that we sent into Forge World. Uh, hoping that we would get an answer on a lot of FAQs, and they have been radio silence uh, since last November. So we're about to hit that one-year mark. But what can you do? Yeah. So So basically what we did was we collected every... We basically asked the community, do you guys have FAQ questions? And we compiled them all into a very comprehensive list. And then I actually went through and typed them up really nice and typed up what the question was, why the question mattered, and gave page numbers and references of the conflicting rules and why they were conflicting and examples of all these questions of why it was a problem. And I spent like a whole fucking week doing this and made it really nice. We sent it via email several times. We've posted it on Facebook. We've done everything we can to get it to them and they still don't deem it worthy of a reply. Yeah. So we thought we'd be cheeky and put it on cakes and that didn't even deem a reply. So, what can you do? Yeah, all we can really yeah. do is say how we would rule it, but ultimately your mileage may vary on that with your game club, yeah. tournament organizers, yeah. things like that. Yeah, the good I mean, news to guys, me, he's obviously he's obviously contempt or dreadnought. I don't have an issue with it. I would never call anybody out on it. Put him in anything that a contempt or dreadnought can hold. You know, that can hold a contemptor. But you know, if somebody wants to argue with you or be a dick, I mean, there's really not a lot you can do. I mean, they're they're in the right. It doesn't say that he's a contemptor dreadnought anywhere in his rules. Well, the only thing that I see would be reasonable would saying he can't just take a uh, dreadnought drop pod because I know the like uh, contemptor mortis. Well, yeah, can't. Yeah, right. But no, that's that's reasonable. But I'd be cool with it. Right. Or, but the thing is, if it says if you know, if you take an orbital assault army, it specifically states in the orbital assault right of war that all contemptors gain access to. Well, no, it says Dreadnought. Legion Mortis or uh, Legion uh, Legion Contemptor, and uh, I was just on it. Hang on, right? Was, uh, but does, does this guy count as a Legion Contemptor? No, but I would say he would in that case. Right, but we don't know because they won't answer the question. Yeah, it just says uh, Legions of. Let me see. Yeah. So your your argument is that a Mortis can't take a Dreadnought Drop Pod in Orbital Assault. So right. So the only fair thing, like the middle ground, would be that he'd be able to take an Anvilus. Yeah, you could buy an Anvilus separately and put him in it. But like a Legion Mortis, a Legion Contemptor Mortis, or even a Legion Mortis can't take a Dreadnought Drop Pod even in Orbital Assault. Because I was looking okay. at options for Orbital Assault. Yeah. Right. But yeah, guys. So that's that's something to look at. Luckily for you, and I know we're probably. Like, if you're new to Horus Heresy, you're probably thinking to yourself, like, what the fuck? There's just all these rules in the game and all that stuff. The good news is most event organizers, I don't think there's an event that we do not have some sort of communication with the event organizer that happens uh, 
in the United States. Uh, so a lot of the FAQs are pretty standard across the board. Uh, and it's a pretty pretty regulated for fun instead of kind of gamey. Uh, so there, there's yeah. a like I don't I can't think of one of the big five that you could go to right now that would have any issue nor, with you yeah. putting this guy in an ambulance. Yeah, exactly. So just something to think about. So that's real nor. So like I was saying earlier, next unit that we're gonna go over. Remember I was saying that only loyalists can take real nor so this is a unit that only traders can take so if you're going to take real nor you'll never be able to take cacophony unless you know you switched hit which is cool that's your thing so the cacophony of the emperor's children so there's 145 points standard across the board stat line for space marines um nothing special there uh what makes them special is going to be uh the weapons that they have loaded out with so of course naturally they come with their power armor uh the have the cacophony which i'll talk about here in a second they all have a bolt pistol a close combat weapon a close combat blade or chainsaw is what the orchestrator has which is like their sergeant they have fracking crack grenades and they have those sonic shriekers we talked about earlier so each one is is loaded out with sonic shrieker um so the cacophony that they come with is a 30 they're also stubborn are they stubborn oh yeah i'm sorry i missed that they were stubborn uh so the weapon they come with is the Cacophony, which is 36-inch range, strength 6, AP 5, heavy 2, gets hot, pinning, biopsychic shock. Um, so that biopsychic shock, uh, you keep track of how many wounds are caused on a particular unit by the weapons with a special rule separately. At the end of the shooting phase, all units with leadership values and who do not have fearless rule or that have suffered one or more unsaved wounds from weapons with the Bioshock special rule must take a leadership test with a negative modifier equal to the wounds they suffered. So, for example, a unit which suffered three wounds from a weapon with Bioshock special rule would take a test at minus three. So, if the test failed, then the unit immediately suffers D6 wounds at AP2 instant death with no cover save possible. The player controlling the unit selects which muscles suffer these wounds, and the chosen models need not be the closest to the unit. Uh, so... How do you feel about this unit, Ryan? So this is a tricky one. So the, just in a standard army, without any particular right of war, these guys are a heavy support choice that don't score that. They're okay, but they're not phenomenal. They're basically like if you wanted to take like a heavy support team with missile launchers or something like that. They're going to be roughly the same points as something like that and about the same effectiveness as far as causing casualties. Where these guys really get crazy is if you take a ride of war that we've not went over yet, the third company elite ride of war, these guys become a troop's choice, so that allows you to keep your heavy supports open while also making these guys scoring and allowing you to get away from having to take like something like tactical marines or breachers or assault marines if you don't want to take those guys you can jump right into these guys and also gives these dudes relentless which obviously makes Ooh, them that's good pretty rotten on yeah. their heavy weapon because they can move in fire or move fire and assault which we know like once again so imagine these guys they're not necessarily close combat beasts or anything but the orchestrator because he, he has access to a power fist, you can give him a spear, so you get one spear there. And then because these guys are just in power armor or whatever, you could throw an apothecary in here and give that guy a power sword. So that's another power weapon in there. And then you could attach your Praetor or something to him. 
So then this unit's going to be decent in close combat as well. So then you're talking you could, you know, charge these guys out of a Spartan or a Land Raider or an Anvil's Dreadclaw or Charybdis or whatever, get out, shoot the shit out of somebody from point blank <laughs> range with these heavy weapons, make them have to pass that morale check, then take a bunch more casualties and then charge in and then clean up the few remaining guys with your close combat. That's a brutal, yeah. 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 That is very specific I, to the ride of war that they get. But I guess outside of uh, outside of that specific route of war, which is is a very specific way of playing this army, yeah, would you take this unit? Probably not. I'd probably lean more towards like a heavy support unit with missile launchers or something like that. That's fair enough. So when we get to talking about that ride of war, which we're just going to hint at for right now, we'll go a little bit yeah. deeper into the cacophony. But out the gate. Uh, just kind of kind of put those guys on the back burner until you want to get balls deep in Emperor's Children. All right, so real quick, yeah. I've, I've got a stupid question here about the Cacophony. Yeah. So just looking at their guns, the Cacophony, the wording on Biopsychic Shock, uh, all units with leadership values who do not have Fearless, who have suffered unsaved wounds from weapons with Bioshock special rule. Yeah. They also get hot. If they get hot, would you say that counts as taking a weapon, taking an unsaved wound from a weapon with the Bioshock special rule? No. So that specifically does not count. Because you're you're not because you're not taking a hit at the weapon's profile. Like okay. the Bioshock rule is part of this weapon's profile. It's not like you shoot yourself with the weapon specifically. All right. Like gets hot's its own thing because gets hot is just you take a wound at AP dash that you make an armor save against. Okay. So that's not considered to be from the weapon? No. Yeah, no. It's okay. from the Gets Hot special rule is what you take the wound from. All right. So like I said, stu if, stupid question. If you're, pl if you're playing a Derek, make sure that you throw it and say, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm not going to call my opponent out on that. I'm just going to read it and go, huh, I wonder if that's how this actually works. And then ask on the internet later. <laughs> and then tell them they cheated afterwards. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you won, no, you're just, a cheating uh, fuck. I wouldn't say I'm cheating. they're cheating. I'm just saying, hey. So this gun actually does fuck you over if it gets hot, but just want to double check. Just, you know, somebody else might have that question. Just want to nip that in the bud. Good catch, Derek. Good catch. I, I, that's why I'm here, to ask stupid questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> so next up in your trader army, you can take a Lord Commander Eidolon, 185 points. Uh, weapon skill 5, bliss skill 5, 3 wounds, initiative 5, 4 attacks, which is bonkers, badass. Leadership 10, and uh, standard strength and toughness of a space marine. Uh, his war gear, he's rocking some Artificer Armor, Mastercrafted Thunderhammer, Archaeotech Pistol, Frag Crack Grenades, Sonic Shrieker, Iron Halo. Uh, he's, of course, everything that a, an independent character is. He's got Master of the Legion, which means he can pick a Rod of War. He's got a special rule called Thunder's Charge, which means he can uh, strike with his uh, Thunderhammer on any turn in which he charges to a in, on any chart and turn in which he charges to assault, he may ignore the effects of the unwieldy rule with his thunder hammer. So that means his thunder hammer is striking at his normal initiative of um, six. Six whenever he charges in. So insane. Damn. So he's beating the fuck and out of And if he's in a challenge, it would go to seven, right? Yeah, initiative of seven. Wait, because they got flawless execution. Uh, they gain plus one initiative on any turn in which they charge. And then. Uh, characters of this, yeah, plus one fighting in the challenge. So he'd be initiative six on the charge normally, and then if he's in a challenge, he goes to seven on the turn that he charges. And because he has Sonic Shriekers, your weapon skill is going down one, two, 
one and he's at six. So he's likely hitting you on threes at a higher initiative than you with the fucking Mastercrafted Thunderhammer. He's whacking you in the fucking face. And you pretty much have to challenge with this guy. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't. Well, you have well to. I think you yeah. have to with the Emperor's Children rule anyway. It'll and then what's if, funny if is the Thunderhammers can... Yeah, and then he's got a Thunderhammer with Concussive. So once he fights before you do with his Initiative 7 and a challenge and smacks you about the head and shoulders with his hammer, if you do manage to live through that, you're going to drop all the way down to 1. So even if you were like Initiative 5 with a Paragon Blade or something, now you're going to be fighting dead last in the combat. Yeah, so he's like anime level beating the fuck out of you. Um, <laughs> he also has the Death Scream rule, which uh, if you remember when we were talking earlier that uh, that Fabius Bile was taking Zeno's fucking larynxes and putting them in people. Uh, Lord Commander Adeline was one of those individuals. So he has a Death Scream, which unleashes a template, which is Strength 2, Assault 1, Rending, Pinning, 1 Use. So he can scream and murder people around him within a template right in front of him. Strength 2, Assault 1, Rending. It's one use. Pretty fucking cool. Uh, especially because he can take a jump pack at 20 points. Um, yeah. So another rule he has is Coordinated Assault, which I law all friendly units within 12 inches at plus one to the result for rolling for charge distances. Um, and he's also got Warlord Pride, which means if he's part of your army, he will always be the army's warlord, regardless of the leadership value of other HQ choices. So... Uh, unless Fulgrim yeah, unless is Fulgrim's in the army rocking around um, last but not least he has precision strikes which is pretty gnarly with that fucking massive ass thunder hammer but you should be challenging anyway so I don't know if that would work but yeah so Ryan what do you think what do you think about Mr. Eidolon this guy's, this guy's he's a total dick face in the fluff and <laughs> I hate him but on, on the tabletop he's one of the better characters in the game yeah, with his fucking half hawk that he has, his half shaved head. Well, the model looks awesome. The model's very cool. He's very, very good on the tabletop, and he's a total dickhead in the fluff, which can be fun because, like, I play Erebus a lot, who's probably the biggest dickhead in the fluff. And when you put Erebus on the table, everybody wants to kill him. So you can actually play mind games with your opponent. Like in Heresy, you'd be like, oh, I want to kill that guy so bad. I fucking hate that guy. And you can maybe bait them into bad decisions. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just let everybody know that Eidolon's on the fucking table. Yeah. So. And then you got to talk in the goofy Eidolon voice, the nasally, like, aristocratic fuck you voice. <laughs> and then later on, it gets, like, a slobbery a mouthful of marbles and mashed potatoes voice oh, in the later oh, audio oh, drums. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he takes that fucking, gets that larynx. Uh so, so he can take a jump pack. Ryan, what unit are you putting your Eidolon in in your Emperor's Children Army that you don't have? But um, So, depends. If you go the route that we were talking about, like he would be good in a big unit of Phoenix Terminators like coming out of a Charybdis on foot. Like if you, So if you wanted to put him in a transport, he obviously can't have a jump pack because once you give him a jump pack, he can't go in any vehicle in the game other than, I think, a fucking Storm Bird yeah. that can hold jump pack guys. Yeah. Um, maybe a Thunderhawk, uh, but um, anyway, so basically, if you have a Spartan or a Charybdis or an Anvilus with a you know a, a pretty decent close combat unit already, you can throw this guy in there. If you want to give him a jump pack, I actually think um 
he works really well with just a big assault squad, like a, a really good sized assault squad with an apothecary attached. Throw him in there to lead it. Um, imagine this in like a drop assault vanguard army and having a twenty man assault squad with this guy attached, with this and apothecary attached, like deep strike in on you turn one. Like that's gonna be like, uh, what's going on here? That's huge. And then, yeah. And then because they have Crusader on that first turn when they run to close the gap with you to make you have to snapshot at them, they're going to be able to get, you know, really close. So they can deep strike like nine, ten inches away and then run and get a really long run with that Crusader to get really close to make that 12-inch distance where you have to snap fire at them like harder to get out of. To So it's going to be pretty good. Very cool. Yeah. Eidolon's a beef, beefcake. Uh, you see him on a lot of uh, trader, uh, trader uh, Emperor Shilton army, just because yep. he is he's a hunk. So next up on the list, Captain Saul Tarvitz. This will be for a loyalist faction army only. Uh, Captain Saul Tarvitz is coming in at weapon skill six, three wounds, initiative five, three attacks, and leadership ten, and then everything else is Space Marine standard. Uh, he's rocking artificer armor, a sniper rifle. <laughs> bolt pistol, Chernobyl broadsword, a frag and crack grenades, refractor field. He's obviously an independent character. He's got master legion and he has preferred enemy emperor's children. Uh, he's also got the master defense. So salt harvest in any unit he joins has the counterattack special rule while within their own deployment zone. So that's his warlord trait and his Chernobyl broadsword is plus one strength AP five. It has melee rending two handed duelist edge, which means he gets a plus one bonus to the initiative um, when fighting a challenge. So how do you feel about the lowly <laughs> Captain Saltarpitz? <laughs> I love him in the books. He's one of my favorite characters in the first three books. Like in the fluff, he's fucking awesome. He'd be a good, like if you play an Isfahan three campaign, like the Eye of Horse guys are doing the, you know, enjoying you know, going back through the heresy books and they're on the Isfahan 3 level. If I played Isfahan 3 Loyalist Emperor's Children, I think I would almost have to take this guy just for fucking fluff reasons. Out that being said, he's pretty he's pretty <laughs> fucking terrible on the tabletop. He's not that great. He's cheap. He's only 135 points. But that's probably even too many points <laughs> for what you get. He's just not, like, he's just not doing a lot. The, what the fuck do they like, expect him to do? Like, why do you give him a sniper rifle? Like, why is he? <laughs> I don't know. So, a sniper rifle, in my opinion, is the worst weapon in the game. Yep. Like, I think it's funny that they actually think it's an upgrade and make you pay points for it and trade in your bolter because I think a bolter is twice as good as a sniper rifle, personally. Um, like, I would rather have a bolt pistol than a sniper rifle. Just saying, like, um. When I played Eldar, I used my Rangers like when I like a long time ago, and I used Eldar Rangers. I would run around and shoot people with my Shuriken pistol. I never used the fucking sniper rifle because <laughs> the Shuriken pistol on Eldar had all the sniper because it it had that stupid Shuriken rule where on a roll of a six to wound it was AP two. Yeah. So it was basically just a twelve inch range assault one sniper rifle. So I just like moved my Rangers like that, shot people with pistols. I never use that fucking rifle because it's ter- terrible. Um. <laughs> So yeah, like he's got a terrible, a terrible shooting weapon, and then the the close combat weapon is, I mean, strength five, AP five, rending, and he's only three attacks because it's two handed. Yeah, 
like the odds of you getting that rending it's not great like if it was like a you know base base ap3 with rending or then maybe they just should like in my opinion it sh- should just be um it should have probably been plus 2 strength ap3 rending um would have <laughs> been su- nice what sucks is like poor captain saltarvitz is running in there and because he has a Legion Stardust Emperor's Children, he has to issue a challenge. <laughs> and yeah. some, some fucking sergeant's going to be like, all right, I got it. <laughs> like, I'll yeah. take you up on that. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> he's just not, he's not very good. He's got some pretty sweet mu- mutton chops in the art. Yes, he so. does. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, so. he just doesn't have the rules. I think we could have probably skipped that. Because I've never seen anybody play Salt Harvest on the tabletop. I haven't seen very many Loyal Seppers Children Army, but I feel like you're kind of hurting yourself if you take Salt Harvest. It's a cool choice. I'd but... do it. I'd do it. Like if, if I'm if I'm playing Isfan three, I'm taking him and hiding so, him. That's or what? Like what are you doing with him? He's uh, I fucking use him. It is what it is, man. I mean, I can make it work. I'd just throw him in a. I'd probably take a fucking chaplain to go with him to give him some rerolls. And maybe take the heat off of it. Maybe like I have, actually have a fucking chaplain with an axe and a fucking <laughs> that, like could do something. So, have it, have um, an adult with him. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna send him chaperone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All so, right, Saltarvitz, you're gonna lead the guys. That's fine. Sure. Just take take a chaplain know. with you. <laughs> it yeah. Takes a, it's like uh, what's that movie? The other guys. Oh, yeah. he's, like, he's like here. You get this wooden pistol and it's like we're, we're taking your gun away. Here's a whistle. So if anything goes on, just blow the whistle and hope that somebody with a gun comes up to help you. And like eventually he like gets demoted lower. It's like we're taking your whistle. Yeah. Here's a here's a fake training gun. Yeah. So that's exactly what happens. So Saltarvitz, just if he gets into trouble, just make sure there's somebody there that can actually kill people. I think I got that backwards. <laughs> so I think even the fake gun was too much, and then they gave him the whistle. Yeah. So, they did give him a fake gun, a sniper <laughs> rifle. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> so, last but not least, the Lord of War himself, Fulgrim the Illuminator. The Phoenician himself. The Phoenician himself. So, if you're new to Horse Heresy, then you don't know what Primarch's got. Uh, their profiles are pretty beefy, and Fulgrim has a great profile. Um, he's weapon skill 8, blitz skill 6, strength 6, toughness 6, 6 wounds, initiative 8, 5 attacks, 10 leadership, 2 plus save. So, out the gate, just for being a Primarch, that means he has Eternal Warrior, Fear, Adamantium Will, Fleet, Fearless, a Will Not Die, Master Legion, Precision Strikes, and Precision Shots. So that's just all he gets just from being a fucking sexy-ass Primarch. Uh, he's Sire of the Emperor's Children, he's bulky, he's got a Sublime Swordsman skill, and he has strategic planning. So, Sire of the Emperor's Children means Fulgrim has the Crusader special rule and must always accept and issue challenges in combat so long as potential opponents in the challenge has weapon skill 5 or higher. So, yeah, it's pretty fucking crazy. He's not going to fight plebs. Uh, in addition, while Fulgrim is present on the battlefield, all units with Legion Star special rule, uh, Emperor's Children special rule, as well as Fulgrim himself, gain plus 2 to their combat resolution results. And any reserved rolls made for the Legion of Stardays special rule may be re-rolled if the owning player wishes, whether successful or unsuccessful. Um, Then he's got the Sublime Swordsman special rule, which Fulgrim's skill as a duelist and swordsman is beyond that of any mortal warrior or even Legion of Stardays. 
In an assault, Fulgrim's vulnerable save is increased to 3+. In addition, when fighting in a challenge, he gains a number of additional attacks equal to the amount with his initiative value is greater than that of his opponent's. For example, if he fights an enemy with initiative value 5, Fulgrim's initiative value 8 gains him 3 extra attacks. So, that's pretty solid. Yes, extremely good. Uh, Fulgrim's Art of War focuses around the perfect execution of planning strategies and tactics, enable him to adapt to the battlefield and foe that his legion must encounter. At the beginning of the game, a single warlord trait from either the strategic chart in the Warhammer 40,000 rulebook or legion warlord trait chart may be chosen for Fulgrim. So that's pretty cool. He gets to choose his warlord trait. Yep. Uh, Fulgrim commonly enters the battle wearing an ornate suit of artificer armor designed to give free reign his phenomenal speed and agility. The Gilded Penalty gives Fulgrim a 2-plus armor save and a 5-plus invulnerable save, which increases to a 3-plus in Assault. In addition, if in an Assault, should Fulgrim pass any armor save or vulnerable save on a 6, then the unit which afflicted the wound must pass an initiative test or suffer the effects of the blind special rule. So, they get blind as fuck. Uh, the Blade of the Lair, that's, this is the, uh, the Demon Sword that we talked about. So, it's Strength as User, which is Strength 6, Melee, Rending, Special Weapon, Two-Handed, and it's AP2. Uh, Firebrand, one of the number of arms Fulgrim carries as his mood took him. Firebrand is a mastercrafted Volkite charger, which also has the Shred special rule. So, as far as Primark goes, how do you feel about Fulgrim, Ryan? I think he's extremely good for his points. He's the cheapest Primark, and he's actually really good. So, 380 points. How are you fielding Fulgrim? You, de- you definitely want him, because he's he's weak against shooting, because he only has a 5-up invul. To shooting and he just is the he's the the it's still a primark but he's the lower tier um as far as defensive he only quote unquote only has tough six with six wounds uh which is the lowest you can basically have as a primark unless you're lorgar um so he he's not extremely durable to shooting because his invul saves only a five. I think the only other primark with a invulnerable save of five is uh, Korax. Um, but Korax has some other defensive capabilities which make him, you know, durable to shooting, which Fulgrim does not have. So you're going to want to put this him in some type of fairly tough uh, bodyguard unit to protect him from shooting, and then you're going to want to employ strategy that gets him into close combat as quickly as possible. And you want him to be in close combat um, for the entire game. If you can manage that. Do you have any recommendations for a bodyguard unit? Um, he like just a standard unit of cataphract determinators is pretty solid because they have a four up save um, and they're cheap and you can get a lot of them. So you could take like, you know, you could take like eight cataphracti and a chaplain and him and put them all in a charybdis or take a full 10 man cataphracti unit and put them all in a Spartan, something like that. It's extremely good. So just bubble wrap you, them up and use them as a ringer. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's super fucking nasty in assault because of that. Where, when you challenge, like, so if you challenge a lowly sergeant, so if you fight against this guy, you do not want to accept a challenge, and here's why. So say you have a... I mean, you're going to die regardless, but let's just use this as a silly <laughs> example. So ruin you regardless. Yeah. So say you have a 10-man tactical unit, right? And he challenges, so you accept with your shitty tactical sergeant. Well, he goes from five attacks 
to nine attacks. <laughs> and remember, all the extra wounds carry over in a challenge. Yep. So he's just going to murder more guys or units. Where if you go, I'm not going to accept the challenge, then the sergeant doesn't fight, but then he only swings at your unit five times, which means he can only kill a max of five guys instead of nine. So... um. It's it like it really puts your opponent between a rock and a hard place though because like say he charges in and you got a fucking scary praetor like it's like say you have a praetor and a sergeant in a unit and he challenges you're like well shit if I say no then he's going to turn my praetor around and I'm not going to get a fight at all with my praetor and if I accept and give him my feeding my sergeant so that my Praetor can fight the unit, then I'm basically doubling as a number of attacks that's going to swing before anything does, and it's going to murder most of my squad. So, it's he's extremely good. What are you giggling about? I just have, I'm thinking of Saltar. Having... <laughs> being forced to accept the challenge <laughs> which is like a detriment to his unit like no salt yeah. no <laughs> you're only making him stronger like, sometimes you just gotta do what you've gotta do <laughs> like god damn it god, god damn it salt don't accept the challenge from fulgrim i have to i do not but even I other primarchs i must do like like even like Vulcan, because Vulcan's only initiative five, so he's going up. This guy goes up to eight attacks, like yeah. against a lot of primers, because a lot of primers are only initiative five or six. Some of the like, I think Ferris Manus might be only five. Vulcan's only five. Um, trying to think of the other loyalist ones that are out. I th- I don't know. I think um, I think Korax is pretty high. I think Korax is like seven, maybe. Um, so you're not going to get a bunch there. I think Russ is uh, like six or seven. Fucking uh, Russ is cheating. Yeah, he's yeah. really high. Yeah, when you see a video um, of you know Lehman Russ versus all the other Primarchs combined, it's like maybe maybe this guy's too good. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I think Fulgrim's incredibly good, especially for his low points cost. I mean, he's not going to be a detriment to any Emperor's Children Army at all. Is there any initiative lowering weapons out there? Yeah. You mean besides concussive? concussive? Besides concussive, yeah. So, so if for some reason you concussed a fucking uh, a sergeant and then charged that next turn, and he was at initiative one, is Fulgrim going um, beefcaking it up? I don't know. I don't know if it like. I would rule it that it's it's on it's printed it's the printed profile one. Okay. I wouldn't say that it's like a fluid thing. Now, if you have something that literally changes your profile, like I, I think Horus's claw affects your affects your initiative, right? It yes. lowers your initiative. Yeah, it's one of the things it can do by hurting you. Yeah. So, like something like that that permanently changes it. Um. So if you had, but I don't if know. You had I mean, like Horus and fucking Fulgrim beating up on Valdor. Like it could be a, could be a pretty, it could be a pretty sweet tag team. I don't know. So it says, I guess it could be red either way if you can cuss a sergeant. Because I mean, it it is kind of fluffy. Like if you got whacked with the fucking thunder hammer, but you live and you're all fucking stunned. <laughs> so like if Salt Harvest got hit by, <laughs> by Idolon's White Thunder, <laughs> yeah, Thunder Hammer, and lived, which he wouldn't, which he wouldn't, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then immediately the next turn, Fulgrim charged and challenged him, and he was forced to. <laughs> oh, poor, poor Soldarvis. <laughs> You're so strong. Like if you're playing in like a, a progressive campaign where he ends up getting Eternal Warriors, so he can somehow survive the Thunderhammer. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen for Salt Harvest <laughs> to get a lot his, of moving parts. <laughs> yeah, a lot of moving parts for that horrible, horrible <laughs> outcome to happen. <laughs> and fucking murder his squad just for accepting the challenge. So, but yeah, Fulgrim, very good guys. Uh, if you're new to playing Heresy, which you might be in this case. Uh, Solid, solid Primarch. He's usually one of the first to go in events for narrative tracks. Uh, he's picked up pretty quickly. So uh, I would say if you plan on playing in events or anything like that, and you're plan- you're just now buying your army, and you think, oh, I'll just auto-include Fulgrim in every army that I have, mm, maybe not. Maybe you want to reconsider that. Maybe build an army without Fulgrim before you start up a 2,500-point army with Fulgrim if you plan on playing narrative events because... Like I said, he scooped up pretty quick. Have you noticed that, Ryan? He's probably one of the first to go. Him and yeah. Angron. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's been out for a long time. His models was the second one to come out. So a lot of people have access to him as far as, you know, buying him. And then he's really cheap, so he's easy to fit into a list. So, yeah. Um, He's not great at anti-tank, obviously, because he's just strength as user. So he's only strength six. He does have rending. So if you roll a six, he goes to 12 and then gets an additional D3. So he can pin... Or he can glance armor fifteen, which obvi- you know, which obviously means pin armor fourteen. But I mean, I wouldn't rely on this on him like you know cutting up a Leviathan dreadnought anytime soon because he's you know he's going to be five attacks. Then you have to roll to hit. So say you hit three or four times, then you're going to need sixes, and then you're going to need additional five or sixes, and then it's going to get its invulnerable save, and then you're going to get a roll damage. So it's like. He's just he's not great at that. So whatever unit you put him in, that's why I said like Cataphracty is such a good unit because you can like put him in a big Cataphracty unit that's gives him that four pinball save that makes him good against shooting, you know, to to hide him from the shooting. And then those guys can you can put several chain fists in that unit so that unit is good at both anti tank and fighting in close combat. Because this guy, you go. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, no. Because, I mean, he him on his own, he's going to get so many fucking attacks at super high initiative. Like, he's going to merc most infantry before it fights anyway. So if you just have, like, a cataphracty unit with a few lightning claws in there, and then the, the, the sergeant having the spear, and then Fulgrim, and then, like, a chaplain to give it all rerolls to hit or hatred or whatever, um, and you can give the chaplain also a spear, that's going to be plenty of at initiative or higher to fucking kill anything that you want, and then you still have some chain fists on the back end to murder dreadnoughts, tanks, vehicles, whatever. Yeah, so so some things to think about when you're running Fulgrim is he needs a posse to roll with him just because of his low and vulnerable save so he doesn't get shot up. Uh, and, no, and, and no anti-tank. Because you, t- you could potentially tie this guy up with a Contemptor for a long fucking time. Yeah, stay away from any sort of walkers or super heavy walkers especially. So avoid knights or anything like that like i know you're thinking he's a lord of war you're gonna try and get him out there he's a very specialist lord of war that primarily is an infantry fucking grinder so keep him away from leviathans quartus normal fucking dreadnoughts although he can do decent against normal dreadnoughts uh but especially things like knights knights will fucking wreck your world and they can they will beat the shit out of fulgrim and anybody he's got with him They'll just roll a stomp and remove your ass because stomp's a fucking dumb fucking rule. <laughs> exactly. So, 
those are, those are some things to avoid. I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan, because that is definitely one of Fulgrim's weaknesses. I, I've, I've fought a uh, Leviathan versus Fulgrim before, and my Leviathan did just fine. Well, I've seen people that just load up on Phoenix Terminators and throw him in there, and you're like, oh, cool, well, I'll just sit in my Spartan and not get out. And then they're <laughs> like, luck. oh. And then they, ch- then they charge in and hit your Spartan with their sticks and don't do anything. And then you back up an inch and then get out and charge those guys, and they lose all their charge bonuses. And then they become AP3 shitbirds, and then you murder them with your base cataphracty that you've paid half as many points for. Yeah, I did that with a, a Cordis Contemptor versus some Palatine Blades at your event. <laughs> he just went to town. <laughs> it was like it was like picking picking flowers. I'd, I'd say Emperor's Children, if you especially if you run a lot of their specialist units, have a, a, a steeper learning curve than other legions right especially when it comes to because a lot of their stuff is like point and kill like for infantry a lot of their things are instantly delete units but because of the amalgamation of all the different possibilities that you'll be playing with uh playing against in the horse heresy there's a lot of different styles uh they get shot up very easily uh tanks they have trouble with It, it they have as much trouble as every legion has uh, they have to take specialized units to handle tanks. Yeah, uh, but none of their specialist units have any anti-tank, and none right. of their characters have any anti-tank other than Eidolon with the stunner hammer. Yeah, definitely not Zoltarvitz. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was Lobo. <laughs> uh, <so> stupid. <laughs> oh, Bless his heart. He's got a strength five rending Chernobyl broadsword. <laughs> Uh, so so yeah so so tank tanks are going to be an issue just with special units and all that stuff if you want to play it at a uh like a, a very specialized army well that's what i'm getting at like there are some legions where you can build a whole fucking army out of nothing but that like death guard for example you can build an entire army out of nothing but death shroud grave wardens and mortarian and be able to take all comers right you're gonna have plenty of anti-tank plenty of anti-infantry Decent shooting, good close combat, all that shit. They're just they're built that way. Salamanders, man. De- same thing, yeah. Like, like Death Guard. They have Sal- like, well, I mean, Fire Drakes can handle everything, but like they can't like hurt planes or oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about flyers. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying like, I mean, Death Guard. I'm just getting at like, you don't need a lot of support. Like in certain armies, you can run like all themed, like take all their stuff. Whereas these guys, you pretty much are forced if you want a well-rounded list, you're gonna have to pick and choose. You're gonna if you want to take some of their special units, that's fine. But you're gonna have to. You can't just go all out with them. You're going to have to mix in generic units to fill in the holes that these guys aren't good at. Yeah, you're gonna have to balance back towards the anti-tank spectrum. Uh, with the rest of your army. With the rest of your army. If you're going to take... Whatever you take in specialized units, kind of realize you're going to have to take a adjoining unit that's going to be anti-tank, anti-air, something like that. Yeah. So. so, yeah. So, last thing on the list to go over is the Rites of War. Yep. So, if you're new to the game, if you look at the Master of Legion special rule that your Praetors have, your Delegatus has, Eidolon has, uh, Saltarvitz has. It'll be a. It'll allow you to choose a right of war, which lets you select specialized units and specialized things in the game, and to play differently and play separately. So, 
Um, the first one they have access to is the Marl Sakara. Uh, so with the Marl Sakara, you get a the open blade rule. So if chosen as the army's primary detachment, all of the controlling players' units using this right of war and deployed on the table at the start of the game, add plus one inch to their normal movement, add to their run and charge distances on their first player turn. So that's pretty pretty good. Pointless. Yeah. <laughs> Just, You're uh, not ever helps. charging turn one. Not ever charging turn one, but you know you're adding plus one to your normal movement, so you can do something with that. You and can charge turn one if you go second and your opponent's a total fucking idiot, I guess. It doesn't realize you have placed yourself appropriately. Uh, but you're getting plus two movement at your first turn, so that's all right. Because if you move and run, which is possible, then you get plus two. Uh, the Hidden Blade which is this is probably the most used thing. Uh, if chosen as the army's primary detachment, the controlling player must choose a minimum of one and a maximum of three units from the elites and or fast attack choices. These, along with any attached independent characters, are held in reserve and treated entirely separately from any other reserves unit in the game and do so do not count towards the drop pot assault, army maxima, at maximum reserves, etc. The controlling player must then, after deployment but before the game begins, secretly write a note listing either turn two, three, or four as a turn on which they will wish for their hidden blade units to arrive on. This note is then left, face down, blah, blah. So anyway, you write down what turn your models are going to come in, and when you whatever turn you chose, you show this note that you hid to your opponent, and the hidden blade arrives from reserve as normal, and they also gain the outflank special rule, which is something to definitely note because it's giving outflank to... Units that sometimes might not have outflank. Yeah. So, uh, the limitations on this route of war, uh, you may not field units with the mobile, heavy, or slow and purposeful special rules. Uh, so that's tarantulas in the entire army list, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Do not, you cannot use tarantulas. Uh, detachments using this route of war must take a Legion champion as a second compulsory HQ choice, which is a pretty rough choice. Uh, but you gotta take him. It's attacks. Gotta play the troll toll. Yeah. To get in the boy so toll. take 90, 95 points in your army and light it on fire and throw it in the trash can. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So the primary detachment uses right of war may not take fortifications or allied space marine legion detachments. Uh, if slay the warlord, secondary objective is used in the mission and the army using this right of war fails to slay the warlord, then the opposing sign gains an additional plus one victory point. So you have to kill the warlord or you're giving them plus one victory point. Uh, so Ryan, how do you feel about this route of war? It's very meh. I don't, very I don't meh. it doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah. So if you're going to be putting units with the hidden blade, what, what units are you throwing in there and what turn are they coming on? I'm guessing turn two. That way you guarantee you're almost always going to want turn two. I don't know why you would go any deeper into the game, especially with that larger part of your army. Um, you're trapped into faster elite, so um, dreadnoughts might be funny. Like walk on with a dreadnought talon of like three. Oh yeah, you know, that'd be badass. So you can have like nine hidden in the hidden blade. I think because it says uh, yeah. three units from elites, and I believe a talon has to be deployed as a unit. That's badass. Yeah, you're right. So. It does. That'd be fun. That, Three that, like nine Corcus Contemptors be... just outflanking. <laughs> yeah, and then and you could charge like that would be kind of funny. Or even just like 
just totally like go full ham and just take a bunch of contemptor mortises with just a bunch of carries assault cannons and walk in from out flank and just like murder like just a fucking wall of assault cannon fire coming oh in from God. out flank would be kind of funny that'd be legit yeah and it, you're like and it, you don't have to roll for it either you're just like kind of guaranteed them coming on turn two so yeah it's like oh by the way eat this nine dreadnoughts coming in <laughs> Yeah, because it's a maximum of three units. Now, unfortunately, so here's the thing: a contemptor, a, a standard contemptor, oh, can still take can't. two carries. Assault. A mortis isn't a talon, but a standard contemptor can still take two carries. Right? It just no. doesn't have the mortis rules. No, only the cortis can take the two carries. I thought. I don't think a mortis. I don't sure? think a normal contemptor can take twin carries. Um, Let's yeah. see. I think that, yeah. I think that's what we makes the, the contemptor special. If only we had the army book on my. No, I'm I'm pretty sure they can because I built one up just as an option for uh for my uh, orbital salt right, list. I got it right here, and that's why I was looking at what they what can and can't take dreadnought drop pods. Why are there so many units in this? Oh, here we go. Yep, they sure can. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, you can still take dual carries. They just don't have the helical the targeting array carries, and they can swap out the close combat weapon with carries. Okay, okay, so yeah. My bad. I thought it was Cortis only. So you can still arm them like, like a Mortis. Just have like, th- you could literally have nine Contemptor Dreadnoughts, all with dual carries assault cannons, just automatically come in turn two, just like fucking throw down a wall. I mean, it's like a trillion points or whatever, but it'd be pretty <laughs> funny. And Contemptors normally are just Bliss Skill Five, right? Or is that only the Mortis variant? That might just be the Mortis. No, the contemptor is BS five. BS five and one yeah. five. Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. gonna be you're oh, gonna dope. you're gonna come on with nine cortis or I'm sorry, nine contemptor dreadnoughts, and then these dreadnoughts are gonna gonna straight up just unload. That that's a oh that's a, that's rocking a fun list I've never thought of. So you could even do it with just standard legion dreadnoughts, um, just to be cheap and take. You couldn't get the carries, but you can get um. You can get Volkite Culverins, you can get Twin Link Glass Cannons, you can get Plasma Cannons, Multimelters, whatever, and you can still um, dual-arm them with shooting as well, I think. Twin Link, heavy, yeah. Yeah, you can, still, you can do the same with them. What about to, flyers? To make it, what about, like, a, a... If it's chosen as a fast attack, you could, but... Yeah, like, a, like yeah. A Lightning, that's pretty neat, actually, because you can give it outflank. So yep. you're not flying directly into the... Uh, directly into the front arc of of units depends on what deployment you're on if you're on um a standard deployment where you have a really long table edge you're usually gonna be able to get side angle anyway it's not yeah super but yeah i mean it's still pretty cool it kind of sucks on hammer and anvil though because you got a flyer depending on how you have to face it it it, because you're going to be like close to flying off the other board edge. It's going to be harder to maneuver coming in that way. I gotcha. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other units that people do. I mean, I've seen people outflank with, uh, with you know, Legion jet bikes and things like that using the Mars Cara, but... Yeah, I mean, things like Javelins already have it. Attack bikes might be funny. We always talk about attack bikes on here. Like Anything with a uh, Land Raider dedicated transport th- is funny. Three, three units of multi-melta attack bikes. Would be kind of funny. Here's 15 outflanking multi-meltas. Deal with that. <laughs> Deal with this, please. <laughs> um, that'd be entertaining. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's 
it, it can do things like it's not that bad, but it's like you can you can get this with sacrificial offering. You don't get to like pick the turn it arrives, but your entire army essentially gets this. Um, and it and it doesn't have as many restrictions that this does. Um, Fulgrim gets to pick his warlord trait. I believe one of the strategic traits. I don't. Do you have the core? I have the core rulebook. Okay, so yeah, it's uh the master of ambush. Your warlord and three non-vehicle units of your choice have the infiltrate special rule. So yeah, we're looking. So you can. Yeah, you could kind of do a bootleg version of this if you took Fulgrim in your army without having to waste your right of war. Yeah. It's very much true. It's it, you can't you don't it's actually a better version. Well, you said infantry units, right? Uh non vehicle is all it says. Non vehicle. Okay, so it's actually So bikes and uh jump infantry. Well, it's it's just as restricted, but in a different way, because this is, has to be specifically elite and fast. If you went with the other one, it can be out of any slot, but it can't be vehicles. Right. And you don't and you don't get to pick the turn, but it doesn't take up a right of war slot, and you don't have any of these other restrictions. So if you're running Fulgrim, then there's an easier way to do it. Yeah, it's a little different. I mean, it's just something you have to weigh when you build your list, like... What's your objective? What you want to do? What list you want? Things like that. Understood. So, that pretty. I mean, it's it's a decent, decent, uh, decent ride of war to go with. But I mean, once you start delving into the game a little bit more, you start looking at different rides of war that you can choose. Uh, you're probably going to see some much better winners out there, which we'll go over last. That's going to be some of the things. Uh, but we do have one I don't, more. I don't really feel like this helps you get into close combat any no. faster. That's the problem. And we we just went over how this is a close combat legion that you want to get in close combat. So and, and we've mentioned before that they they are kind of a weaker like unless you're in a transport or anything like that and you're outflanking in. Like if you came running on the table, the sides of the table, you're not charging the turn that you're outflanking because of the. Uh, the reserve rules. If you're coming in from reserves, yeah. then you cannot charge. Uh, so you're are you're taking an entire turn to get your ass kicked before you get to do anything. So regardless, if you take any of this special outflank, you're gonna want to use it for getting the shooting. Shooting, yeah, you're gonna want to use it to get the upper hand on shooting somebody. Uh, this is not to position yourself to be in charge range because you're not charging till turn three at the earliest. So that's half the game you've wasted just preparing and setting up. So, but any any hey, last ride of war that is specific to the Emperor's Children is the Third Company Elite Ride of War. So this ride of war represents a concentration of Emperor's Children legionaries who have submitted themselves to implantation in Sonic Shriekers and who bear the fearsome Sonic weaponry of the Cacophony into battle. In particular, it may be used to represent the third company of the Emperor's Children under Captain Marius Vershon in the early days. Verosian. Verosian, that's right. You know, I, I do audiobooks, so when I hear the name, it doesn't, I don't, I can't read it. Like, things are spelled differently. It, like, in my head. But, so, in the early days of their damnation. 
Uh, Chosen of Erosion. Cacophony squads may be taken as troop choices in the detachment using this right of war, and all cacophony squads in the army gain the relentless special rule. Uh, Sonic Assault. Any infantry unit equipped with power armor and artifice armor may take Sonic Shriekers. Two points per model. All eligible models in a squad be, must be equipped so if this option is taken. Uh, limitation. This right of war may only be used as an Emperor's Children Army bearing belonging to the Traitor Faction, which, I mean, that would happen anyway, mainly because you could, you know, whatever. whatever. Uh, detachment uses this right of war may not take Space Marine Allied Detachment. Any allies taken in the Army count as one level worse than normal on the Age of Darkness Allies Matrix. So fellow warriors become distrust allies, for example. So if you were to take Militia or Solar Ox or Mechanicum as your ally, then they would fall down one worse to their uh, their trusted allies on the Allies Matrix. But you cannot take Space Marines. So, uh, so on this ride of war, Ryan, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about running around with a shitload of cacophony? I like this right of war. I think it's really good. This one actually gives you some things that are utter- otherwise unachievable by moving a specialist unit that's normally heavy support to troops, and then which by in turn also makes them scoring, and then also gives them relentless, and then also unlocks Shonic Shriekers for your entire army as opposed to just independent characters. Yeah, the main thing about Sonic Shriekers that I've noticed is they only affect models in base contact. So say, yep. you know, your sergeant has it. If he's not in base contact with half the unit, then that can really mess you up with the uh, the weapon skill drop. But having it on yep. every body, you're, you're going to get it. And it's cheap because most units are 10 dudes. So you're talking 20 you points know, for the unit. It, yeah, it's not that big a deal for when you're talking an entire weapon skill bomb. Yeah. So that's that's pretty brutal, and then of course you know running around with uh, relentless units, um, that's pretty fucking sol- relentless fucking cacophony. I yeah, mean, that's nuts. There's some nasty things you can do with that. I mean, Ryan, I've always kind of wondered. I know powerful Joe, homeless Joe, plays a, a third company elite army, but if you're running an army like this, like how are you transporting these units? Are you letting them walk on the field? What are you afraid of? Like. <laughs> I built one with them in Anviluses. Okay. Because then you're getting to drop them in wherever you want. So it's like, if you don't get turn one, it's not a big deal. They can't just kill your cacophony or hit them with a Scorpius or fucking quad mortars or anything like that to get which, rid of which, them. Which alpha strikes are a fucking huge deal in in Horse Heresy. Like, once again, if you're new to the game and all this stuff, then if you're standing out in the open first turn, it's going to suck. But yeah, so. so it's a cheap, it's fairly cheap for what it does. It's only 115 points for an anvilus. And then you can, um, so you buy that as a fast and then it auto comes in turn one and then they can jump out and immediately start shooting. And it allows you to, like if they took a Scorpus Warwind that would then shoot your cacophony or they took a quad mortar unit, you can drop in on that with your drop pod and then get out and shoot that unit with your cacophony and get rid of it. Because they are strength six, so shooting into the side or the rear of a Scorpus or something is likely to glance it out or kill it, you know, basically hole point it out. And then same thing with a quad mortar unit. They're they're tough seven, but you're still wounding on fives. And they only, they're only leadership eight. Um, so if you 
you know, inflict three or four wounds on a quad mortar unit, and then they have to pass a fucking leadership five check, and then they fail, then they take an additional D6 AP2, things that don't roll to wound. So you're basically, you know, they're good at killing things like that. Wow. Just positioning shooting units better than normal, just throwing them in the Anvilus, letting them come in, unload, and then yeah. having them fully mobile. That's they're very... really not bad. Like, like even in Rhinos or like Proteus Land Raiders or, you know, any type of, basically put them in a transport. Because you'll be able, because they, it gives them relentless, they don't have to just stand on the fucking battlefield and get hammered by quad mortars and shit. It allows you to put them in something to protect them from that alpha strike while also allowing you you get some movement and then your deployment distance to put them in a better firing position for the remainder of the game. And then they can also march forward from there, laying down their fire. And they obviously can score objectives as well. Very cool. That's a very smart way to play it. That's a, that sounds. I think that's how Homeless Joe plays his army. Yeah. So I wouldn't go crazy. I think like because they're pretty expensive. Like do like three, like two, like two maximum size squads of ten, something like that, or do two nine man squads with apothecaries in them, and just start peppering Be in like veteran squads. Or well, you got to remember their weapons are heavy, so putting augury scanners on them with an apothecary is pretty funny because then they gain. Um, intercept, intercept when yeah. somebody tries to, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's pretty fun. So you just shoot up in the sky and unload on that lightning that's going to come in and try and shoot whatever unit you brought. So, yeah, you're only hitting on sixes, but it's more for like if they bring in like a they have drop pods or just something in a dread claw, like a, a melt a team or something that they're trying to drop in and kill something else in your army. You're like, oh, that's cool. Will these cacophony shoot you before you get to shoot my tank? and Kill your unit. Powerful tactics from powerful Ryan. So I, I, I just think it's good. It, like it makes a unit that I normally wouldn't take something that I would a hundred percent take, and it's it's obviously fluffy for the army if you want to go that route with it. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward as well. I mean, there's not a lot that. I mean, there's not a lot of gaming. You know, if you're gonna play it, then you understand what your army's trying to do, and so. It takes a what's pretty much a close combat heavy army and opens it up to a shooty heavy army if you want. Yeah, it's kind of actually be, a mix of both. I mean, because yeah. with Relentless, like I said, they get to shoot, and if you put them in like a Land Raider or an Assault or an Anvilus or something like that where they get close and they're shooting all that at close range and you whittle a unit down a lot, they're not great. They don't fight any better than a tactical marine in close combat, but if you're just charging into like the remnants, like three guys left, or you actually attach a pretty decent, you know, close combat character to the unit and you've given the sergeant a spear, I mean, that's still pretty formidable. I mean, a fucking Praetor with the Paragon Blade and that sergeant with the Paragon or their uh, little spear, that'll kill a whole 10 man unit of power armored guys before they even get a fight on its own, pretty much. Fuck yeah. Every time. So rock and roll. So that's nice. Third Company Elite. That's yeah. the second ride of war they have access to. Uh, that's going to be the last one. Uh, last thing we're going to talk about, Ryan, is what ride of wars do you think really stand out for the Emperor's Children? So obviously the one we just talked about, Third Company Elite. I was also thinking how funny would that be in Zone Mortalis? Um... <laughs> With the Relentless, 
um, because I believe the Zone Mortalis thing says a heavy, the the special rule where you get to snap fire at full ballistic skill or Overwatch at full ballistic skill, it doesn't work on heavy weapons unless they're relentless. So these guys, because they're relentless, would get to Overwatch at full ballistic skill, I believe. They're always blasting you to pieces, regardless. Which would be good. Um, obviously, that this would be good in Centurion as well. Um, if you build a Centurion army with this right of war, it'd be pretty nasty, knowing that nobody else is going to have tanks and you get to walk around. What do you, what do you got, Derek? Hmm? Oh, nothing. Oh, you look like you're about to say something. Um, I think Drop Assault Vanguard would be good. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. I'm going to go over a Night Lord's list that uses that. Um, taking uh, Eidolon with a jump pack and putting him in a giant unit. You know, we talked about that. I think that's good, and it fits well with Emperor's Children with getting in to Assault fast. I think Orbital Assault works well with them because you get to you know, deep strike down with all your drop pods and whatever and get close to the enemy. You only, at that point, you can then shoot whatever you got on the turn you get out, and then you only have to withstand one turn of your opponent firing at you, and then you can immediately start assaulting. Um, armored Spearhead may not be bad, where you get to put everybody in Land Raiders and just go, you know, use your Land Raiders with all the last cannons as the anti-tank, and then maybe take some veterans with melt bombs on the guys to run up and put melt bombs but you're also, so you could... Basically, use those land raiders to protect all your fragile dudes, drive forward, and then assault out of them to get all your assault bonuses and clamp melt bombs and stuff on things. That would be good. Uh, Phobos land raiders specifically, like that's yeah. I feel feel like the jet bike ride of war would be pretty fluffy and maybe pretty good because uh, you you can still like jet bike guys are fast. So and because they move so fast, you can dictate pretty much if you want to assault or not. I mean, they are a shooting unit, and I primarily tell people to only use jet bikes for shooting. With an army that is has extra bonuses in assault, like Blood Angels, Emperor's Children, Night Lords, things like that, you can get away with assaulting more with jet bikes because every single guy can take a melt bomb, and they are getting bonuses in assault. You could use them as a combo shooting assault unit and really be able to they would make the guy everybody tougher because you go up to tough five. Um, and then it uh, gets around the anti-tank issues because everybody can have melt bombs. And then it also is going to almost always allow you to dictate who's charging who because of your fast movement with the jet bikes. Hell yeah. So anything like that, I think would be pretty decent. There's, there's a couple different builds you could do there. Very cool, man. Like, those are all very good recommendations for how to jump in that. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's, that's, we got all the rights of war done. We went through all the special units, emperors, children, uh, special rules, uh, short amount on the fluff and everything like that. I really don't think of anything else we should include. What about you guys? Do you think we should say something about emperors, children, or? I think we've never said it all. We got all the fluff 100% accurate and complete. <laughs> uh, all the special rules and stuff like that we got down. I mean, I've been we thinking pronounced about everyone's names correctly. Oh, yeah. yeah, 100% every time. Yeah, we learned how great Saltarvitz is. That's pretty neat. <laughs> uh, I guess one thing I could say is uh, if you want to build a Ralnor fucking contempt there, there's a pretty cool conversion using Custodes Dreadnoughts. Oh, nice. 
So that's a good way to make him look special. Yeah. Uh, one other cool thing you can look at if you were doing uh, Emperor's Children that I've kind of been looking at is I picked up some knights to kind of practice airbrushing with. And uh, I was looking at cool night houses, and one of them was uh, House Viridian from Master of Mankind. So during the early days of the heresy, they actually did fight alongside the Emperor's children. Uh, bef- basically, they knew that there was a civil war. They really, you know, they're part of the average man who really couldn't tell which side was which. Just because, you know, the war master isn't going to say, hey, we're rebelling against the emperor. He just says, oh, hey, local militia guards, these space marines are attacking us. There's a heresy going on. So they were one of those that just kind of got caught in the middle. They weren't really sure what side was which. So I think it'd be really cool to see some like loyalist looking knights alongside some emperor's children. And the whole thing's just a traitor force. Very cool. I didn't listen to any of that. I just kept thinking that Derek's knights have a house, but he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so fucking brutal. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they, they've got a nice storage unit they're living in. It's pretty great. Keeps them out of the rain and, all, and the heat and the bugs. Special loyalist night storage unit. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, that's what I've been thinking. Come live in my basement, Derek. Get you I'm, a plane ticket. Dude, I'll I'm put, tempted. I'll put you up. Oh, God. That, that basement's a basement you want to live in. So, anyways, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into lists now. Uh, we're Hang gonna on. Go we got an email about Emperor's Children we need to read out. I sent it to you. Oh, my bad. We're going to go into list and emails is what we're about to move into. So this ends the, uh, the, <laughs> I guess the, uh, the Emperor's Children portion of this program onto your normally scheduled broadcast. So anyway, we got an email came in. This came from Taylor. He says, hey guys, I'm a new listener to your podcast and I have just recently started acquiring models for my Emperor's Children Army. Ooh, relevant. So far, my collection consists of a Kalth box, three rhinos, one land raider, Lord Commander Eidolon, and ten palatine blades, with or without jump packs. Sorry, buddy. I've listened to your podcast about how to start with a Kalth box, and so far I'm planning on doing something similar. But I'm curious if you guys have any other suggestions on what to do with Eidolon and palatine blades I have. I was thinking about running the Hidden Blade Marascara. However, I'm open to any suggestions. Thank you for any help you can give me. Taylor E. So hopefully, Taylor, you just listened to this entire other portion of the podcast that went on and somehow didn't just like, if you're just now like in that weird phase where you're just like kicking back in like, oh shit, I was listening to a podcast and you missed all that, go ahead and back up probably like an hour and you'll jump back in and get some really useful information. But uh, what do you got to add for him, Ryan, as far as like Calc Blade? If he's wanting to run those particular models together, I just can't. I can't in good conscience encourage anyone to actually run Palatine Blades as Palatine Blades. If he wants to run those models unaltered, just take those guys and just say that they're Weapon Master Vets and give them, like, you know, a mix of Power Swords, Power Axes, whatever, on the unit. Um, put Eidolon in there and then chuck all those guys, take, like, eight of them and Eidolon and then a Apothecary and throw them all in a normal Land Raider Phobos, like a Mark IIb. Yep. Would be cool. Or if you want to take a full... If you really have to have those two extra guys, you could always throw them into a uh, Charybdis or a Spartan. But I would probably just stick to eight and put them in a standard Land Raider or an Anvilus. Very cool. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a fun way to do it. 
Eidolon's obviously going to be beefsteaking himself up. He's going to whack the shit out of people. Um, I mean, what can you really do with Mara Sakara with a Kalf box in a Land Raider and three Rhinos? Like, are you? Would you suggest he put anything hidden blade wise in his, you know, hidden blade? Group? Well, I would be the Dreadnought for sure that comes in the box, like we just talked about. That'd be unit number one, okay. and then Weapon you could take the Land Raider. Yeah, because those are elites, you could outflank the Land Raider. But can they it take a Land Raider as a dedicated? I think so. No, no, they no. Can't. so oh, the they Land Raider can't. wouldn't get to yeah. go. So you couldn't do that. You could, you'd have to put them in a Rhino or something. Um. Yeah, I don't really feel like the Marascar, like we talked about. He said uh, he's open to suggestions. What I would do if he wants to run those models, do Eidolon and the Palatine Blades as Weapon Master Vets and put them in a Anvilus and then take those, um, take the 30 Power Armor guys that you got and you could make make them all Assault Marines and do a uh, Drop Assault Vanguard list and have two 15-man Assault Squads and then Eidolon and the Palatine Blades being used as Weapon Master Vets and an Anvilus, that'd be a good start. But he already has all these Rhinos. So you could do... You could do a Pride of the Legion army and then do the three Rhinos with just like snipe, a mix of Sniper Vets and Machine Killer Vets and then do the Land Raider with the uh, Weapon Master Vets like we talked about with Eidolon. That'd be pretty cool. That would use all the models that he's got there. Um... He could get a Fulgrim and throw Fulgrim in the army as well, and then still use the the D three infiltrate things if he wanted to infiltrate stuff. If he's like just really into that idea, you could still do it that way. Um, with the models he has, to use all the models. I think I would just go Pride of the Legion though, and then use the Palatine Blades as Weapon Master Vets. Use twenty of the guys as Sniper Vets, and then use the other ten as Machine Killer Vets put the machine killer vets and the two sniper vets and the rhinos and then the weapon master vets and the land raider with Eidolon. Very cool. That's some things to definitely consider when you're buying. I mean, kind of start looking into jump infantry and things like that. And Yeah. I mean, that's using all his tanks. If he hadn't, if he didn't own anything at all, I would probably try to steer him in the direction of drop assault vanguard and instead of all these uh, uh rhinos and land raiders switch him over to jump pack guys and endless dread claws and flyers yeah so so you could still use your calf box and start looking into like third party bits by third party companies like Anvilus for jump packs Anvil industries stuff like that and just throwing jump packs on a mark four you can actually get jump packs pretty cheap because mark four jump packs the uh sanguinary guard have mark four jump packs just with wings you just don't glue the wings on them and they're a plastic mark four jump pack and a lot of bit sellers on ebay's have them i haven't man, um, they, they're always sold out every time i go look for them they're like extremely hard to find to see those mark four jump packs like every- um i don't want to advocate illegal activities but there are um some people that sell them that don't run out of stock <laughs> if you're picking up what i put down if you if you're picking up what i'm putting down yeah no, I get you. They do. So, yeah, Sanguinary Guard Jump Pack is uh, definitely 
definitely a bit that is highly sought out of and sought for and currently on eBay as far as bit sellers go no there's they're gone they're scooped. but there's there's third party companies that make cool ones i think maybe like like you said anvil makes some i think cromlock maybe makes some i think there may be some on shapeways but i'm not sure but i mean i'm sure you can find them out there yeah they're definitely out there they're not going to be the single rotor but they're out there but so so yeah that was taylor's email yeah So if he wants a more specific list, um, you can write in. But he should, after listening to this whole episode and then listening to me break that down, he should be. It's pretty self-explanatory. He could probably throw something together pretty easy. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of advice that was in this episode. Yeah. So Alec wrote in an email. He said, listen to the podcast. Totally failed at directions. Ha, 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 ha. I made the adjustment suggested by Ryan. Thanks for the pointers and critiques. Regards, Alex. Or Alec. So remember, you shit on him for not having the Radio Free Espon sign in his thing, and then he also made an illegal list, I believe. <laughs> and we hammered on him pretty hard, teasing him. So You're a good dude, Alec. He wrote back in. You're a good dude. Yeah. And he came back, he put that piece of paper that said Radio Free is doing for its closer patch, and we're good to go. Thank you, Alec, for writing it and fixing everything. Okay, so now we have a list to go over. This is going to come from uh, Clayton, the one that actually sent the treats from New Zealand in. And uh, uh, he's actually pretty glad. I guess he sent jerky. I, I completely missed that he sent jerky, but he's the one who sent the Tim Tams, right? Yes, and he sent the, the pineapple. Uh, pineapple lumps. Yeah, pineapple lumps. We've decided that Mark Hunt has made 65% pineapple lump. Yeah. So this is, this is Clayton from New Zealand. He says, the list Ryan put together for me is coming together, and I've been playing a few Centurion and Zomortalis games with it while it is under construction. I was wondering if Ryan or any of you would do me a favor and throw an army list my way. I've got an event in March that involves 30k players from my city playing 30k players from another city in New Zealand. There's a huge rivalry between our two cities, as we're both the largest of our respective islands. Think Yankee versus Red Sox or Michigan versus Ohio State if you're into sports. To make a long story short, I want to kick the dick off my opponents and was after a harsh 2,500-point Night Lords Terra Assault list. The only caveats being that I would like to include a Primaris Lightning and a Fire Raptor if at all possible as I have both those models waiting to be painted. And I like the idea of Terra Squads slaughtering the opposition from the shadows while Night Lord aircraft come screaming in from nowhere, raining down death and destruction. Anyways, keep up the good work. Tell Derek he needs to talk more, and Scott needs to stick around for the whole show to inject more hillbilly humor. Cheers, Blair. Derek, you need to talk more. Will do, I guess. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So. Fucking throw more of my shitty ass opinion in here. That's what Blair said. All right. So y'all know who to blame. So. so what you? So do? Derek, did you write this guy a list? Because uh, he said anybody. Said, well, he didn't send it. Did he send it? <laughs> <laughs> he's just sneak talking shit about you <laughs> I, mean, I mean if you uh, like... so anyway so here's the problem and I've already talked to him about this so I already cleared it with him so we're good to go because he, he said he wanted to kick the dick off his opponents with a harsh 2500 point terror assault list sorry but just being totally 
real real talk here. There's no such thing as a harsh 2,500 point Terra Assault list. It's just not that great. Anybody who plays it will tell you Terra Assault is definitely good in Centurion. It's probably one of the premier Centurion Rite of Wars, and it's actually it's also pretty good in Zone Mortalis on an open battlefield. It locks you into way too many units that are only good at killing infantry and have zero anti-tank, and you fucking just get destroyed, pretty like, much. Like it's, water on the rocks. Water yeah, on the rocks. Yeah, it's not... It just doesn't really fit with the way Heresy is currently being played. It, it, if it only... If it made Terror Squad's troops and you only had to take two, it'd probably be fine, but they're pretty expensive. Like, they're, they're pretty pricey. Having to take three of them because it, it requires you to take three troops choices, all of which have to be terror squads. You just end up with so many points invested invested in these power armor dudes that then require transports to be effective. That only are good at killing infantry. It just sucks up like too many points to your army to meet all that requirement. So, so what'd you do? Uh, I went drop assault vanguard. Drop assault vanguard. Is it a like we were talking about dick kicking list? What? I think so. I think it'd be pretty solid. Um, so I think this will catch a lot of people off guard, and this also fits with our Emperor's Children episode because you could do this doesn't have any special units in it. This is all just generic units that you could really build with any legion. Um, the thing with Night Lords are they have a lot of bonuses that only work in assault. If you outnumber your opponents, you get plus one to wound and plus one. Uh, to hit, so it, they play very much like Emperor's Children, where they want to be the ones to initiate an assault on their terms, because you need to outnumber your opponent. And bulky guys count as two models and for outnumbering, and bikes count as three, and so on and so forth. So I tried to include as many bulky models as I could, and I tried to take larger squads so that this army would always get its bonuses, and I tried to make it very assault-oriented to take advantage of all the Night Lord rules. So what I ended up with was a Praetor with Power Fist, Paragon Blade, Digital Lasers, Iron Halo, and Jump Pack. So, pretty fucking nasty Praetor. Um, then for troops, I took two 14-man assault squads that are armed identically. So, there's two of these units. So, they're 14-man strong. The sergeant has Artificer Armor and Power Weapon. I recommend an axe. If you're Emperor's Children, like we talked about on the show, it would be a spear. But these guys are an axe. Um, then of the 13 normal assault Marines, two of them have power axes and then the entire squad has melt bombs. So it's going to be 14 melt bombs. Pretty badass. And I have two of those units. And remember these guys show up turn one from deep striking without any rolls. So you're just going to dump these, uh, fairly, you want to drop them in roughly nine to 10 inches away from your opponent is where you're going to want to put your first model down. So you, you, you shouldn't mishap. And then when they land, you want to run to spread your guys out and try to get as close as you can so that they have to snap fire at you with their units to protect these guys. Um, and remember, if it's night fight, uh, you, you kind of, even though you have to take dangerous terrain checks or whatever, it's still worth landing in ruins and terrain if you can. You're pro- not likely to lose guys. And if you do, it maybe be one or two guys. It's not that big of a deal um, to get that cover save bonus it's it's definitely worth it um for elites i got a single 
a detachment of apothecaries. So I took in that detachment, I took two apothecaries with jump packs. So those are obviously going to go in the assault marine squads and make them 15 strong. Um, then the Praetor will go with one of the two units. And all like I said, all that will come in turn one. For the second elite choice, I have 10 machine killer vets. Every single guy has a combi melta. Remember, you don't have to pick this until the beginning of the game, like what it is. So if your opponent doesn't have anything with armored ceramite or the things that they have with armored ceramite are only armor 12 or 13 on the rear side, you may decide to just say fuck it and go with sniper vets and then just use these, you know, don't worry about the plus one roll and then have these guys as a dual threat. Like, for example, if their Lord of War is a knight, a knight doesn't have armored ceramite, you don't really need the plus one that machine killers offer. You're still fucking killing knight regardless. So go sniper on them so that after you drop in and blow your load with the Melta, they still have another role they can play going further into the game. So just always keep that in mind. Um, for the second elite choice, I have another 10-man veteran squad. These guys have marksmen. The sergeant has artificer armor and power axe. Um, and then two normal guys in the unit have power axes. And then the entire unit has melta bombs. So they're pretty much armed like a... Uh, smaller it's basically they're armed like your assault marines are but it's a 10-man squad and they also have sniper bolters and they're on foot um then for the fourth and final each choice i have five a unit of five cataphracty terminators the sergeant has a power fist two normal guys have just a single lightning claws and two guys have chain fists and they have a dedicated anvilus dread claw um for fast attack i took two Anvilus Dread Claws, one for the first fast attack choice, one for the second. Your 10-man sniper vet squad and your 10-man machine killer squad go in those Anviluses. Um, so that's going to give you three Anvilus Dread Claws, one with Terminators, one with Marksman Vets, one with Sniper Vets. So you're going to get two of them, turn one, to come in with all your Assault Marines. And then for the third and final fast attack choice, I have a Primaris Lightning Strike Fighter with two sets of Kraken Penetrator Missiles, Battle Servitor and Ground Tracking Auguries, so pretty much a standard lightning loadout. And then for heavy support, I have a Fire Raptor gunship with Reaper Autocannon batteries in the sides and Hellstrike missiles on the wings. Boom. Another killer of tanks. And hand so, owner of the skies. So if you look at this army, the Terminators are good in assault against all types of infantry and tanks. The, the veterans... The sniper vets are going to be good at shooting because of their sniper bolt guns, and then they can also assault, and they're going to be four attacks apiece that are wounding, that if you outnumber, are going to be hitting on threes, wounding on threes against most things, and there's going to be three power axes in that unit that'll be hitting on threes, wounding on twos. Um, the machine killer vets will be the same thing as the marksman vets, like a ton of attacks if you outnumber, you're getting bonuses, plus they're going to be able to kill vehicles with all those commie meltas. And the assault marines are obviously going to be good in assault and against both vehicles and infantry with everybody having melted bombs. And then the Praetor is obviously good against infantry and whatever. So this makes everything in the army a threat against everything else. It, you have a ton of anti-tank, a ton of anti-infantry. It's very themey for night lords. If you learn how to play this army, it should be pretty damn good. Definitely. It definitely a cool look onto... Uh... Uh, that rod of war actually like I, I could see where that could plug into pretty much anybody who's decently good at combat like 
if you were to plug that same kind of list into Blood Angels or still plug it into Emperor's Children or anything like that, it would do just as well. So yeah, it's pretty pretty cool list, Ryan. It's pretty. I, I feel like you want to you want to combo because you, all your assault marines come in automatically turn one. Yep. So I feel like that combos well with drop pods because you have three drop pods, you're going to get two drop pods turn one. So it's like kind of running a drop pod army, but you're getting two thirds of your shit instead of only half your shit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but, you know, Night Lords make it a little bit special just because, you know, they can have a little bit more survivability uh, just with night fighting and things like that. But it's it's definitely pretty much plug and play with any assault-based legion. Like, that would even work out for World Eaters or, I mean, yep. so, very cool list. Yep. Definitely, definitely something that, that'll work out all around. It also, I think it's the best ride of war for Night Haunter because he's jump infantry, so you could throw him in your assault vanguard as attaching to one of those assault squads, so he comes in turn one, deep strike as well. Just handling shit. So, last list we got here is a militia list. And this comes in from Powerful Evan. Evan says, "What up?" Oh, first off, it was titled List Review. Quantity is a quality all of its own. So, what up RFI? I have another list for review. First off, I'm loving the Legion review series. The Dark Angels was awesome, mainly because I didn't know shit about Dark Angels, except they are very sensitive about being called traitors. Um, uh, so I need about 90 to 100 cultists for my Iron Warriors, both in 30k and 40k. Boo hiss. And I figure that since I already need to paint so many cultists that I should also make a standalone cult militia army. At Nova, I played a militia player named Austin Hunt, and this list is heavily inspired by him and his surprisingly resilient militia. The idea behind this list is to soften the enemy up with artillery and AP3 bolters, then charge them with an overwhelming amount of bodies. I cho chose Alchem Jackers so that my artillery won't run off the board, and so my militia squads are stubborn in close combat. I chose Fellow Warriors because Weapon Skill 4 makes them surprisingly more difficult to kill in close combat. I'm running my Militia as essentially Death Corps of Krieg in 30k. And I also have a test model I'd like to share. The theme is kind of a World War I British Army with gas masks, trench coats, and Brody helmets. Here's a picture, which I'll post in the photo dump. Uh, here's a link to my list. I also wanted to mention that if anyone here is in the Maryland area, we are running a 30K 1850 point narrative campaign called The Holiday Heresy on December 9th at Games and Stuff in Glen Burnie. If anyone wants more details, check out the group Maryland 30K on Facebook to request an advice. Keep up the great work, guys. So, let me go ahead and pull up the list he wrote. Well, Ryan, if you just want to go over the list, you can. Yeah. So he took a Force Commander with Planetary Overlord, Alchem Jackers, and Feral Warriors. Um, he took a Discipline Squad with four Discipline Masters. He took four Militia Squads that were all armed identically. They had Vexilla, Crack Grenades, Auxilla Rifles, Blade and Fury, and the Sergeant had Power Weapon and Melt the Bombs. Um, he had a Fire Support Squad with eight Heavy Bolter guys in it that he was going to attach the Force Commander to it, and he was choosing the because with Planetary Overlord, you can choose your Warlord trait. He was choosing the one that lowered the AP on the weapons by one, so they were going to be AP3 Heavy Bolters. Um, and Like I said, he had eight of those. Then he had a second Fire Support Squad, which would be his sixth and final troop slot. That was seven last cannon teams. 
Then for elites, he had a single Medicaid attachment with six Medicaid, so he was going to put um, Medicaid in every single troop unit, and then he was going to put the four militia squads would all have a discipline master, which would increase their leadership by one, um, make them all stubborn or whatever. Then for his first heavy support slot, he had a heavy ordnance battery with three Earthshaker um, guns or heavy artillery pieces in it. So a, a full squad, and then he took uh, two extra crewmen for each gun, so six extra crewmen. Um, then for the second heavy support slot, he took another heavy support battery or heavy artillery battery with three Medusas with breacher shells, also with two extra crew per gun. And then for the f- third and final heavy support slot, he took another three uh, Medusa siege guns with breacher shells with um, two extra crew per gun. And then for his Lord of War, he took a suborbital strike wing of two Avenger strike fighters that both have battle servitor control and Kraken penetrators on both of them. And then finally rounding out the list, he took a fortification, an Aegis defense line with a comms relay, uh, likely to throw the uh, one of the heavy the fire support squads with heavy weapons behind and give the uh, Avengers rerolls for reserves. So this is a nasty fucking uh, army, super nasty fucking army. Seems like a lot to get through. <laughs> yeah, like a lot so, of bodies, man. This is like uh, this is one of those lists that we get in that really honestly doesn't need anything. Like I almost just sent it back and was like, "This is a good job, Evan. You do not need my help. This you have a, graduated." This is oh, a Stodays killing army right here. Is what this is. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you could do some more. You could. I can make it better for that. If he wanted to kill custodies, I, I could take this thing to next level. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's a solid army. So really all I did, I'm not going to read everything I did. Uh, all I did was drop two of his militia squads and replace them with two 50-man levy squads just to up the body count by 60 more guys. Um, the two levy squads that I added in have Blade and Fury and Discipline Collars, and that's it. So, and when you do that, you don't need two of the four discipline masters because you can't put discipline masters in with the levy. So you lose two of those. And then the same thing with the Medicaid, you can't put Medicaid in with the uh, levy. So you lose um, two of the six Medicaid. Um, and because you lose the Medicaid and you lose the two discipline masters, the levies were a direct swap pretty much. Um, but with those extra points, I was able to buy a eighth last cannon. So his last cannon team goes from seven to eight. Two of his militia squads go from 20 militia all the way up to 50 levies. So like I said, you're gaining 60 bodies, and then you'd lose two discipline masters and two medicaids. But all in all, it's the same army. Just more bodies. Damn, Evan. Coming out the gate, just kicking ass already. Very yeah. cool. Very. So I'd really, you could you could run table. I think it'd take fucking forever to play, but it's still a cool looking list. You could run either one, but I feel like getting the extra last cannon and the sixty extra bodies is the <laughs> meaner option and fits his theme a little more. Because he said he wanted waves of bodies. I mean, waves sixty extra guys. I mean, you're almost you just... doubling the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so fucked up that you're like, hey, here's sixty extra fucking dudes. Good luck. Have fun painting. <laughs> The dip method, Evan. The quick shade dip method. You may want to give it a try. 
So that's that. So that's it, man. That's all for list, man. This is definitely a long fucking episode. I'm glad you guys hung out for this amount of time. Uh, I had fun. I, I had a great time. I learned a lot about Ember's Children. That, Me too. Uh, that I did not know. Um, if you want to learn more about Emperor's Children, the Eye of Horus podcast, actually on episode 65, also covered the Emperor's Children, and the Age of Darkness podcast, episode 30, started covering Fulgrim, and that's their part one to Fulgrim, and I believe episode 30, or 31 is the second part of Fulgrim, so... Fragian Heresy has done a couple Emperor's Children episodes because it's Freddy's main legion, too, so definitely, you can, if you go on there... And you go on like their SoundCloud or whatever, it'll say, I don't know the exact number, but it'll say Emperor's Children, I'm sure. Yeah. Or you not. could just, you could, sh- you could shoot them a message on their Facebook and they would, sure, I'm sure Jody or Chris or Freddie would answer you and tell uh, you what episode. It looks like it's episode 43 is when they actually talked yeah. about. So we're not the only podcast to cover Emperor's Children and I'm pretty sure we won't be the last one, but. That is some other samples of where you can go to look into some Emperor's Children. So, uh, that being it, guys, we appreciate you listening in. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email, michael at warhammer30k.com, ryan at warhammer30k.com, derek at warhammer30k.com, and scott at warhammer30k.com. Uh, we will answer to your emails. Uh, also, if you want to find us on Facebook, Radio Freest Van is our Facebook name. You can find us on there. If you want to send in a voicemail, hopefully a spooky voicemail, uh, since y'all really dropped the ball this week, uh, and not sent us in one. You can call 209-RFI-30K0. If you forget that number by the time it's time to call it, you can go to our Facebook page and type call, and it will call the voicemail, and you can leave us a voicemail there. Um, as well, if you're an international listener and you want to record a message, but you don't want to dial out for a long distance, you get charged long distance charges and all that jazz, go ahead and record it on your voice app or whatever you got and just email it to us and we'll still play it on the air so that being said guys i do not have anything else to say that's gonna be it that's all i got we can close out and go to the music you want to say bye ryan well let's sucker we'll kill it bye you have a good one guys he was born the only things he got from growing up were the will to fight and hatred there was never anyone to love him no one that's why I wanted to save him I thought I could but I was wrong he looked at me like like he'd never known me there was no recognition at all